Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Time with Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Phil Haston of the Tulsa World as we'll get Phil's insights on the Oklahoma Sooners and the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group, as well as our Tom Fullery story of the week, our picks against the spread, Big 12 breakdown, look around the NFL, all of that and more coming up on today's show. Happy to have you with us. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Thomas Bridges is back with me here this week. And uh, Tom, it is uh, good to hear from you, my friend. How are we doing? You know, hey, it's all good in the hood, baby. Uh, Oklahoma State's 5-0. and You know, my L.A. Rams aren't doing worth the shit. But, uh, you know, at this point, my and, and to be honest, my fantasy teams, my two fantasy teams, aren't aren't the worst in the league but they aren't top of the league and so right now i am i am fully emotional i am ready to get hurt um with the oklahoma state cowboys so i am i'm fully indebted um to stillwater oklahoma at this point so we are middle of the pack middle of the season um with college football and i am like i said Jones, I'm ready to get hurt. <laughs> oh, man. I know how you feel. Uh, my, my Jayhawks lost last week uh, for the first time. I was reminded what losing was like, but nonetheless, uh, they played well. They fought hard, came down. You to couldn't ask. You really couldn't ask for much more. Right. They're five and one. I'll take that. I'm not complaining at all. You know, I mean. I mean, I, 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 I couldn't meet a K, KU fan that'd be like, I can't believe they're, you know, they lost that game. It's like everyone, I think every KU fan I think I've talked to so far is like, listen, I am just grateful that we are in this position. Like college game day came to Lawrence for the first time ever. And then Lawrence just said, you know what? We're just going to go ahead and set some college game day records and, and showed out for it. And even Bill Self said, we're a basketball school, but we can be a football school too. And KU showed that they can be. Um, I'd be very interested to see the next home game after they lost first TCU. But are they going to sell out again? I think they could. Oh, I think they'll probably sell out the rest of the season. I'm excited to – I continue the the Jones College Football Tour this week. Last week, I went to the Red River Shootout. Not so much a shootout. It was kind of a uh, – <laughs> it's like it a bottle the, the, you know? It was this, the Texas uh, – the Austin 49ers. Right. Um, I'm headed to Norman this week for OUKU. Uh, this will be like my fourth college football game this year. Should be a good time. But when I was at Red River last week, Tom – uh, I got to tell you, despite the outcome, how ugly that game was, I had an incredible time. Uh, I'm glad I went. Texas State Fair on game day, unbelievable. Um, you would have been proud of me, Tom. I uh, Before 10 a.m., here was, here was my number for you. I was four beers and a corny dog in before 10 a.m. That's the only way to do it, mate. I told my mom, she said, gross. Um, I felt electric, though. 
I definitely enjoyed myself. I had a good time. Uh, the corny dog at the Texas State Fair did not disappoint. Extra mustard. Extra, hey, you can only go mustard. And I'm, to be honest, I'm not a huge corn dog <laughs> fan at all. Actually, I, I don't like corn dogs. Really? No, no, I'm not. I'm not a fan at all. I would rather, much rather, have a coney. And uh, I really have a coney too, but I mean, fair tradition. Got to go with the corny dog, you know. I no, I get that. I get that. That's just not my vibe. Um, the corny, the corn dog's never been my vibe. But the Cotton Bowl, by the way, Tom. Um, I mean, it's cool they play that game at the fair and all that, but the Cotton Bowl Stadium itself, that place is a dump. I mean, that might be the nastiest stadium I've ever been in. And I've been in some bad high school stadiums, too. This place, like, the stadium was, like, flooded. The bathrooms and all around it. I mean, there was beer cans all over the sink. I mean, it was like you were at the summer camp that nobody wanted to go to. The summer camp that nobody wanted to get sent to, but that was all their parents could afford. Was it that bad? Oh, it was it, it, it was like a health hazard. I can tell you that. There were some diseases in that stadium, probably. That bad? Yes. That's incredible. I mean, next year, and I'm going to try to go back next year, assuming I still live here in Dallas, which I hope I do. Um, assuming I go back next year and everything, Tom, I think I'm going to plan out ahead of time to avoid using the bathroom during the game. I'm going to try to go before or after I enter the stadium. Avoid the bathroom at all costs. It was that bad? Yes. That's incredible. I mean, I get it. They only have one football game a year there. But, I mean, it it felt like a, a health hazard. That's crazy. I, I would I would figure that they would have it. You know, you, you mentioned they only have one football game there a year, and they know when it's going to be. It's not like it's, you know, two weeks in advance. They're like, oh, shit, we, we got a football game coming up here. I'm like, oh, wait, well, wait a second. They know when it's going to be. Um, it's always, what, the first weekend in October? Um, well, I guess the second week in October, technically. Um, they know what it's going to be. You would think they would have it prepared. Right. But it was that bad. Yes. That is incredible. Yeah. Um, there's only been one stadium. I thought the bathrooms were not very good. Yeah. To be honest with you, that was, um, that was Boise State. Honestly, I they 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 were all the way down to the to to the troughs. You know, you don't you don't see very many troughs anymore. Um in anywhere really. Um and that was probably the worst bathroom college football experience that I've had. I've was heard that, Tom I've heard the family restrooms at Oklahoma State are pretty good. Hey, listen, I can vouch for you that they are. (laughs) 
for the families. <laughs> I, I couch on that. If you they're, know, they're, they're good for a lot of different things. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, I can just make your maybe your imagination your, uh, imagination run wild. And um, you know, I'd love to experience the family bathrooms again one day. And if I don't get the chance to do that, then I'll be, you know, uh, I'll be fine. Um, but ladies, yeah. ladies, if you're listening, Thomas would love to take you to an Oklahoma State football game. Yeah, I'll pay for everything. And he'll uh he'll take a visit to the family restroom. It wouldn't be my first time. <laughs> Would not be the first time. <laughs> oh man. Uh Tom, you're uh you're on the road again this weekend, right? I am. I am. I am headed out at the time that we are recording this on a Wednesday night. I will be headed out from the time that we are talking currently. I will be on a plane in seven hours. I will be taking off. I was literally six hours and 50, uh, six hours, 49 minutes from the time that I'm speaking right now. I'll be taking off from the Tulsa International Airport all the way to Denver and then all the way to Boise, Idaho um, to DJ a wedding and to, uh, you know, go to another bar that is a lot like the family restrooms at Oklahoma State. Mm. Uh, me and Billy, friend of the show, Billy Locke, will be uh, on our way to Hump and Hannah's, which is a bar that has an owner that is part of the main band that also throws out specifically the last time we were there, she threw out cock rings um, in the middle of the show, in the middle of her band set that who needs a hard dick and throw out, she threw out cock rings and she's been known to throw out vibrators and whatever else you can get your hands on. Um, that's Rocky Johnson of Hump Bananas, and it's a beautiful thing. So, we will be back there. I will be there probably at this time, 24 hours from right now. Um, probably throwing my hands up for a cock ring. Don't need one if you were wanting, but um, I'll take a free one. Okay, it's not that type of show, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're going to a wedding. I got to go to a wedding next week. Um, after this, Tom and I, uh, and Billy as well, because Billy, you mentioned, is going with you. We're laying down the wall after this month. No more fall weddings ever. Um, I mean, this is, the, this is it. You know, I mean, that's just that law. That's just how it's going to be. Uh, the fact that we are even attending weddings the next couple of weeks uh, in the fall is – out of the, the goodness of our hearts here. After that, it's over. No more fall weddings, um, as far as I'm concerned. But I, that's a that's a whole nother rant we can get into for another day. Tom, uh, let's start out with the uh, the NFL. Um, could you take a show from Devontae Adams? Okay, so let's be real. <laughs> I I, I, well, I talked to my fantasy football league. They were like, "Ha Devontae Adams, he's such a raider." Uh, you know, all these misdemeanors and you, you talk about what's his <laughs> name that 
that ran into somebody in Vegas and literally killed a lady. And uh, what what was his name? Oh, that was Henry Ruggs. Yeah, yeah, Ruggs. Yeah, you know, and 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 just just Raiders in general going to jail. Uh, it's nothing new. <laughs> and and Devonte Adams not going to go to jail over this. It's just a misdemeanor. But at the end of the day, let's be real, Jones. You took a much harder hit from. What was it? A union player. It was Jeffrey Mead. Went on to play for OU. Yeah, wide receiver. Yeah, you took a much harder hit. I mean, that push was bullshit. I mean, that that guy, he sold it like a fucking, he sold it like Lionel Messi (laughs) in a a Premier League game. Um, That wasn't a hard push at all. Like, sure, the man lost his balance and fell over. But it really was not a hard push. Like him him going to the police department and doing all this, he's just trying to cop a bag, right? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Two he things went to the hospital. True. Like that, no. Like, Two things can be true here. Devontae Adams was out of line and should be punished by the NFL. And he was wrong. It was this guy also took it over the top and is trying to capitalize on the opportunity too. I think both those things can be accurate here. Right. But like, was he actually hurt? No. Right. Like I've been, I've been pushed harder than that. Right. Like, I mean, sure. I'm sure Devontae Adams pushed him pretty good. Right. I'm right. sure it wasn't a walk in the park, but it, is is he actually getting? Is, is he is he hurt? No, right? Absolutely not. Like, let's be real. Like he's like he is not hurting over that. Like, uh, don't think so. Like, there's just no possible way that he is that broken down over that, and that's what I hate. Like, and I'm not a Devonte Adams fan, I'm not a stan of Devonte Adams, right? I'm not over here sticking up for him, and I'm not a Raiders fan. And was I, I like the Packers, but I was never a fan of his, like in particular. So I'm right. not sticking up for him. But at the end of the day, it's like ah, I can appreciate both sides. I get Devonte Adams was mad. He didn't break, you know, two. Microsoft um, tablets. He didn't go full breaking service pros on the sidelines a la Tom Brady. Um, but he did slam his helmet down after after they got off the field and then obviously pushed that guy on the way to the locker room. Um, I think Jordan Poole was in a lot more pain from the punch he took from Draymond than that photographer was from Devontae. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and, and Draymond's not even getting a misdemeanor. You know, he's not even getting a lawsuit. He's not even going to court. He's not even getting suspended. Right. And, you know, and it's like, come on. Like, it'd be different if, like, Devontae grabbed a hold of him and just beat the ever-living fuck out of him. He just pushed him. Right. You know, and and to be fair, that you know, and I like the Chiefs. You know, my dad's a Chiefs fan. 
I, I root for the Chiefs. They're not playing Rams. And, uh, you know, you get a lot of that here in Oklahoma State. Well, a lot of OSU fans say, well, I'll root for OU if they're not playing Oklahoma State. Or OU fans say, well, I'll root for Oklahoma State if they're not playing OU. Well, I call bullshit. It's a lot different. You know, I root for – I really do root for for Kansas City if they're not playing the Rams. There's no bad blood there. Right. It's, the, it's much easier, too, when you're in different conferences. Not in the same division, not in the same conference. My dad likes them. You know, it'd be one thing if he was a sea chicken fan or 49ers, even Cardinals fan, or it'd be it'd be even different if he was a, a Tampa Bay Bucks fan, you know? And so I don't have any problem rooting for the Chiefs if they're not playing the Rams. There's no bad blood there. There's, you know, you can say Governor's Cup, that's all a wash now. And, you know, it was never really that big of a deal. So I root, I root for the Chiefs. I would even call them my second or third favorite team. Um, you know, I'd probably call the Packers my second favorite team. Um, but you know, the Chiefs are right there because it's small market. Um, we've talked about that before. If you've listened to the show, you know how I feel about small market teams. Uh, I'll root for every single one of them. Um, but you know, with that being said, it's like, you know what, Devontae Adams really didn't do anything wrong. Uh, if, if you want to go back and look at it, the Chiefs. And I'm not a Raiders defender. This is not me. Like, for all if ands, or buts, Josh McDaniels should be the one of the – he should be the next coach out. He, he doesn't deserve that job in Vegas. Yeah. He should yeah, – I'm, I'm surprised he's not done already and they let another interim coach take over. He's trash. He's horrible. He's a great quarterback coach, and he's even a decent O.C., He's not an H sheet though. He's not a head coach. And and we we've seen that happen. And Derek Carr's a piece of shit too. He's not he's 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 the next quarterback out on his way. But that all being said, Chiefs didn't clear the tunnel. They um you know, they that cameraman ran across and he got you know, I I'll, I'll tell you what, if you want to look at that, if you want to Jones, if we look at that from a non-biased standpoint, um, what they what they used to tell you to do in, in youth football, they told you they used to tell you shoot the W. You know, if you want to make a good block, you shoot the W. Devontae Adams shot the W and laid that cat out. That's a pancake block. Um, you attribute that to his stats. Call yeah. that a pancake block. He shot the W right on him. It didn't hurt him. Right. You know he. He caught him off balance. He caught him maybe on the left side of him when he was walking across, caught him off balance, and, and you know, got him the hell out of the way. And and Chiefs didn't clear the tunnel maybe like they should have. He kind of, if you want to take a look at the video, he kind of ran across. And and let, let's be real. If I could catch a bag, if I could catch a bag from an NFL player, uh, I'm probably doing pretty well if I'm just taking a small hit from Devontae Adams. It's not like you're getting laid out by freaking Randy, you know, uh, what's his name, uh, Randy McGregory or whatever his name is. You're not getting hit by Vontez Perfect. Right, right. I mean, and you got quite the quite the story to tell that you got. Donald's like pushing you out of the way. Right. You know, you're getting hit by a receiver. Granted, six two, what six two two twenty, six two 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 ten. Yeah. Not Small man, not a small man. You're not getting in by a slot receiver. 
right. not Wes Bulker hitting you. But, I mean, you're not getting CTE from this. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. well, let's be real. But, I mean, the man that got pushed over, he's trying to catch a bag. Do I blame him? No. No. Um, you know, you want to talk about photogs and you want to talk about hard hits. So we got Randy Johnson, great MLB pitcher, Randy Johnson. Well, Randy's taking, not taking a fall like that. If you shove no, Randy. No, Randy's beating somebody's ass. I mean, we should have asked Reed. I wonder what Reed would have done if he would have taken that fall from Devante. Honestly, I would have said, listen, we won't press charges. I just want a picture with you. I don't even need to sign anything. I I just said, let me take a picture with you. We both threw up the middle finger, and we call it a day. I just said, let me get a gram. Let me get a picture for the gram, and we'll call it a day. That's all I need. Yeah, okay. Well, with that said, the the Chiefs play in the uh, Bills this week. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Um, I know it's a regular season game, but – the Bills, they got to be hungry, right? I mean, we, we've we seen them play with an edge like they did against the Rams. You know, it's been a couple of weeks, whatnot. Chiefs are playing really good. They, I think the Chiefs look better than the Bills do right now anyway. Um, but I think it's fair to say, Tom, this game probably means a little more to the Bills than it does the Chiefs here. I mean, yeah, of course. Like, you know, listen, the Chiefs could have come off a better win against the Raiders at home. They started slow, and... I mean, it was a 10-point swing if it weren't for that awful pass or pass... Uh, that, is, that is true. The, the refs somehow had it out for Chris Jones. It was very weird to see that. What was he supposed to all, do all on that? I mean, he couldn't have done it any better. Yeah. Well, yeah, what was he supposed to do? Not hang on to the ball? You know, it's just like that's the first roughing the passer call that I've ever seen where the defender that got the call had the ball. Right. You know, I mean, he couldn't have done it any better. And I hate that for him. And, and it's, and you know, there, there wasn't the only call all night where Chris Jones kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, got fucked. You know, <laughs> like um, I'm, I'm sure after the fact, he was like, okay, one of these guys got a vendetta against me. There's, there's no other way to put it. Right. Yeah. It's a good point. Um, also, uh, on the NFL front this week, uh, looking around the, uh, the league here, uh, the Packers lose the Giants out in London. Now they come back to the States, then take on the Jets this week, the other New York team. Packers are sitting at, you know, three and two at this point and Rogers clearly misses Devonte Adams here. Is it time to panic about the Packers yet? I mean, I'm starting, you know, Aaron's not playing great himself. Granted, he doesn't have much to throw to, but I'm wondering if, 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 if it's time to sell the Packers yet, is it too early to write off the Packers yet, Tom? Jones, I don't think it's I don't I, I, I think it's too early right now. I'm not gonna count out the Packers. They're usually a great first round playoff team. They're one of those teams that's like, yeah, they're they're getting the second round. Um 
I don't know that they figure out their wide receiver woes. I do like Al- Alan Lazard a lot. I've been a fan of his since he was at Iowa State. Still am a fan. Uh, I mean, can you imagine if they had a better wide receiver, though? Like, give him a – I don't know. Like, it, it'd be easy to say give him a top wide receiver, right? Like, give him Jamar Chase. Give him – Well, and that's Jefferson. the thing, too, Tom. Like, everybody points to them losing Devontae Adams. That's a big deal, sure. But, I mean, why did they keep Valdez Scanling, too? Why did they let him go to Kansas City? I mean, and, and, yeah, and to your point, Valdez Scantling probably had his best game as a chief this past uh, Monday. Yeah. And get it. Valdez Scantling has some drop issues. I don't, you know, here, here's the deal. I don't know if they thought they would, you know, when they let Valdez Scantling go or they kind of just, for lack of a better term, again, kind of waved him off or like, well, okay, well, you can go wherever. We don't care. I don't know that they thought they would have these issues. I mean, they have some up-and-comers, right? They have Dobbs, which is great. I mentioned Alan Lazard, who I think is a very good wide receiver. Um, who is who's the other one? Watson. Watson is could come along. They have they have a very young core that could be great in two or three years. And and maybe the main one would be Dotson. And then they got. You know, they got Cobb still as the veteran, but he hasn't done really anything. You know, he's he's been a veteran presence, but hasn't done veteran things. At, not at all. Um, you know, and and so I, I hate to make it like with a quarterback. Here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You want to talk about greatness. And I hate to say this. I really freaking hate to say this. I hate Tom Brady. I hate Tom Brady like I hate LeBron James. I don't hate him because of his personality or just his person. I hate him because how easy he is to hate. Like, if, if that's your quarterback on your favorite team, then you love him. But if you're anybody else, then you absolutely hate him. It's like I loved Kobe for what Kobe was. But as a Spurs fan, I freaking hated Kobe Bryant. You know, I, I was when he retired, I was like, oh, my gosh, thank God he's done. I don't have to I don't have to go through this anymore. You know, I'm like, oh, like I Mark Cuban was the first one to say it or no, 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 not even Mark Cuban. I think it was. Um, oh, my God, I think it was Doc Rivers that said they were like, well, what do you think about Kobe retiring? He goes, I absolutely love it. Thank God he's done. He can't hurt us anymore. You know, and that's like, you know, Tom Brady, when he eventually retires, he can't hurt us anymore. And you would assume that the next best quarterback in the league that you would say he can't hurt us anymore would be Aaron Rodgers. But I can tell you what Tom Brady would make more of this receiving core in Green Bay than Aaron Rodgers has done right now. But for whatever reason, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers has kind of led us to believe that it's all having a young receivers core fault and that's why he's not having an MVP season when in reality we all know that Tom Brady would make Romeo Dobbs look like freaking uh Randy Moss you know he'd make Watson look like freaking Wes Welker you know he would he would do that and that's not you know that's a small sample size I mean it's Tom Brady we're talking about but 
Aaron Rodgers, as good as we've claimed him to be and seen him be as good as he can be, should be able to make this work. He's got two great running backs, a defense that is, I don't know, middle of the pack maybe at this point in terms of of defensive numbers, in terms across the NFL. Like, the Packers can get it done. Like, there's no reason, there's no crazy injuries. Uh, You know, you you still got Aaron Jones. You still got A.J. Dillon. um, You have a coach that's overall not bad. Like, the Packers still can be a playoff team, and I think they will be. Yeah, I think think they will. Um, Also, uh, a couple more things uh, I want to point to here. Steelers got embarrassed last week against the Bills, and now they take on the Bucks this week, and they'll probably get beat pretty bad again. And you know the Steelers are going through something right now, clearly. You know, and, and they're seeing the effects of what happens when you don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback. The first time they haven't had, you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback in you know 18, 19 years, whatever it's been. That's the reality of this business, folks. I mean, the, the Steelers are probably going to have a losing record for the first time ever under Mike Tomlin and have a high draft pick, and then they'll figure things out, and they'll go from there. And you know what? I bet it won't be long before we're talking about the Steelers being very competitive again. They have not drafted well uh, on the offensive and defensive line. Have to get better with that, but – I got to tell you, for, for all the freak out in Pittsburgh, it's it's because they're not used to having to do this type of thing. The truth of the matter is, everyone else in the league goes through this at some point. Pittsburgh just happens to be going through this right now. They're going to be – it's a rough year. I think Steelers are done. Their playoff hopes and all that are gone. They didn't have much a chance to begin with. But at the end of the day, it's okay. It's business. It happens. So, do you think, as a former Steelers fan yourself, do you think this is the end of Mike Tomlin? I, I feel like there's no. been where everyone said, oh, no, I we'll just, Mike Tomlin. No, I don't think it's the end of Mike Tomlin. I think Mike Tomlin has enough of a track record that this has bought him time. Has he, Mike Tomlin ever finished under 500? No, I just said that. He never has. Right. So, this you, you think this is the first year he finishes under 500? Yes. Ah, okay, I can see that. But I mean, granted, is is Kenny Pickett or you think Steelers are full on Kenny Pickett? This is it. I mean, I they, mean they kind of I mean they bought all in. We're gonna find out. You, and what what are the chances in your mind that Mason Rudolph moves on before the trade deadline? Um, I don't know of anybody that would want to give up anything for Mason Rudolph. I mean, I felt like he would already been dealt like by now if somebody wanted him. You know, next year's uh, next year or this year's sixth and next year's seventh for out of Miami if Scholar Thompson doesn't perform. Um, I mean, they still have Teddy Bridgewater. What's his injury status? Uh, I'm not exactly sure when Teddy's coming back, but Skyler starting is interesting. Uh, I could say that much. I'm kind of uh, ready to see it. A couple other things, uh, and then we'll move on to talk Big 12 football here. Cowboys and Eagles, what an incredible game on Sunday night that we have ahead. 
The Cowboys look like one of the best defenses in football. Cooper Rush is playing good. The offense is clicking. Cowboys are solid. The Eagles, best team in the NFL right now. Only undefeated left. Jalen Hurts is playing great. The weapons around him, A.J. Brown, um, the defense. I mean, it's all coming together. This one is going to be really good. Uh, I'm very intrigued for Sunday night. I mean, it's it feels like it's great offense made, meets great defense. Something's got to give here. And I'll say this, Tom. I mean, the Cowboys, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be better with Dak. Dak's the better quarterback here. But part of me is like, if you're Dallas, you got a good thing going here with Cooper Rush. I, 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 there's no reason to rush Dak back. You got a good thing going here. I think you go into Sunday night, you see what happens, and and you give Dak all the time he needs because right now they, they, they got a good thing going here. They got things under control in Dallas for the time being. Hey, they're vibing right now, and and – you know, if if Dak can come back and play well, I'll tell you what, Cooper Rush, he's not he's not winning you the game. He's the ultimate game manager at this point. He is he is the second coming of Alex Smith. And maybe even less of that. I don't want Alex Smith was great. He is the next embodiment of Alex Smith. That's just what he is. He this Dallas team. This Dallas team is every bit of what, you know, minus Dak. You take Dak out of the equation if he was injured all year, whatever. This Dallas team is the next embodiment of the Kansas City Chiefs before Mahomes got there um, with with a way better defense. I mean, the, the defense that the Dallas has right now is – you want to talk about unprecedented in terms of having stars on every level on that defense? I mean, to be honest – Cooper Rush doesn't really have to do a whole lot. I mean, they, you know, Dallas had a 9-0 lead essentially before Cooper Rush even took gave his first pass um, in this past week against the Rams. And, you know, he doesn't have to do a whole lot. He just doesn't have to make mistakes. And I think Cooper Rush is very capable to say, hey, listen, we're not asking you to win the game. We're asking you to not fuck up. And he's been doing a great job of that so far. And as much as I hate to say that, you know how I feel about the Dallas Cowboys, and you know how I feel about Cooper Rush being a Central Michigan alum. You know who beat OSU in the BS game uh, when they didn't deserve the the extra play. You know how I feel about that. And then he just goes out and crushes my uh, Super Bowl champion Rams. Um, you know, uh, you know, I. Cooper Rush was let go from this Dallas team at the beginning of the season and was only brought back when Dak got hurt. Um, well, no, he was still the uh, the opening day backup, but he was initially released uh, when the 53-man roster cuts came. Right. Out. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. That's He was, like, brought back. Um, so where do you think Cooper – like, I, I've seen some – I've seen some good opinions on Cooper Rush in terms of being a great backup and he's done his job and he deserves to stay on this roster and, and, and really deserves a lot more credit than what he's getting. And I've also seen some stupid ass opinions saying is Cooper rush, the next court Warner. <laughs> and I'm like, 
hey guys, whoa, let's let's calm down. He's done a great job, but to your point, Jones, it's not it's it's Cooper Rush playing less, a little less than mistake free, but where this credit goes to over this time that Dak has been out has to be the defense. I mean, it's it's incredible what the defense has done. They got Diggs, they got Parsons, um, and and Demarcus Lawrence is playing like five years ago. Demarcus Lawrence, right? Oh yeah, it's uh, it's incredible. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, it's quite the story on uh, that front. One more thing on the NFL, and then uh, we'll move on to Big Twelve football here, and we'll dive into this more with Bo, but. The Russell Wilson thing, I mean, <laughs> here they are. They're about to take on the Chargers this week. Okay, here, here's an overreaction, maybe. And I say this, maybe. You know, Russell Wilson, if he weren't being paid the money that he was, would, would be benched on most teams right now. Will it ever get to a point where he does actually get benched here? I mean... Are the Broncos going to be content if this doesn't get better? Do they ride out with this all year long? Do they stay on the sh- on on course like this if it doesn't get better? It has to get better at some point, right? It has to, but you know, from the whole funny previous, you know, before the season started, the let's ride. They have to let's ride, don't they? Like they cannot not let's ride at this I mean, point. They were dumb enough, Tom, to pay this man before he'd ever even taken the snap in a Bronco uniform. Right, and and not only that, well, and I can get why they paid him. Maybe not that much. They probably shouldn't have. They probably should have hedged that bet. But you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But at the same time, you know, we have a friend Jose that's a big Broncos fan, and and you know, he talked a whole lot. We're going to. You know, we're going to win the division, da 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 And we've, we've heard his bullshit takes before. But at the same time, at the beginning of it all, the Chiefs looked down at the beginning. You know, all things considered, no Tyreek, no crazy, you know, betterments. The defense in terms of what they could have been to what they are now. I mean, you look at this Chiefs defense, they're – I hate to say it. They remind me a whole lot of the Oklahoma State defense, the bend not break, and that are clutch in the end. So far, so good for the Chiefs defense. Shout out Steve Spags, kind of doing a great job considering what they could have been at the start of the season. But it, you know what? If you want to look at it on paper, at the beginning, before any games were played, I was looking at the Broncos have actually taken a step forward. Jones, I think they've taken a step back almost. Is what they were last year? I mean, I mean, I mean, they're not that much better, if at all. No, and and the thing too, it they have if this is what they get from Russ, if this is the end all be all, you're gonna lock your future into that for that long. I mean, Drew Locke could have done that for you for about you know a tenth of the cost. Yeah, you know, and you know who I bet's feeling the best about this? After every game, you know, after every weekend, it's probably just sitting back in his freaking house and just saying, 
freaking Pete Carroll, is it not? Oh, Pete Carroll is uh, is enjoying those checks right now. I mean, Pete Carroll has to have the biggest, you know, win or lose for the Seahawks. Seahawks and, are an interesting team right now. I mean, and, and I know you cover the Seahawks, and, you know, who's who's been one of the better quarterbacks in terms of stats? It's been Geno Smith. And, and you know how Geno Smith is probably just sitting back, sitting along, smoking the big. It's hard not to star. root for Geno right now. I kind of, you know, and as much as I hate the Seahawks, being a Rams fan, you know, I got to kind of root for Geno, man. It, he's, he's, is, is he low key? Is he kind of low key, Jones? Is he low key, very low key, comeback player of the year? So we were talking about this the other day. Um, I don't know how he can win comeback player of the year when he wasn't good before. I mean, that's fair. The newcomer. Newcomer at 32 years old just had his birthday the other day. Happy birthday. Turn up. Turn up, baby. I'm, I'm, I'm... Yeah, it's interesting. Anyways, uh, moving on now. Let's uh, get to our Big 12 breakdown in a moment. Bill Haston going to join us in a little while from right now. Uh, we'll have our football fix with Coach Bo coming up in uh, just a bit as well. <laughs> It's the Big 12 Breakdown. Zyler Jones, Thomas Bridges here with you with a look inside the Big 12 Conference. And we begin, as we always do, with our hot takes around the league. Tom, I'll let you have the floor first. Give me your uh, hot take of the week in the Big 12. Hot take of the week. You're not going to like it. You're not going to like it. And, and oh, you just dropped the worst jerseys that I've ever seen. Um, I, I didn't think they could get worse than the Rough Riders, but they have tried to, one, emulate the Iowa State Cyclones in terms of black jerseys, and they've also tried to emulate the Ohio State Buckeyes in terms of helmets and gray and black stripes and red. And uh, Here's the deal. I don't want to talk too much shit on though you football jerseys. They've they're, they're going with unity on the back. They have made these jerseys for the first African-American to play for OU. That's what they've dedicated to them, and I get that. I think it could have been better done with a patch or okay, a helmet. Okay, get sticker. to the point. What are you trying to say here? I'm, I'm saying my hot take of the week is that OU is what? Favored by, at this point, seven and a half? Is what Vegas is saying at this point is that we're recording the show? Nine gonna, yeah. Nine. OU is going to win in Norman against KU. They have too much, they have too much to lose. They're not gonna lose to KU. Uh, and and is that if you would have told me that it was a hot take at the beginning of the season, I would have laughed. But that's my hot take of the it's week. OU, nine. That's not a hot take. No, what I'm saying at the beginning of the season, like OU is going to cover this game. And I mean, at, at all points, at all all things considered, that's a sucker's bet from what we've seen thus thus far. Like, out of how many people do we know that are not OU fans that are are actually taking OU to win this week? Let alone to cover. 
Okay, I, I think we need to explain to you what hot takes mean. Uh, okay, if you, if you want if you want another hot take, if you want another hot take, okay. Um, I think OU walks in to Fort Worth, and I think O or I think OSU walks into Fort Worth, and I think OSU wins by seventeen. Okay, there we go. There's, there's, hot, there, there's your hot take, and I think OSU shuts down TCU's bullshit. I think TCU's a great team. If the back seven for OSU plays well, there's no reason they don't run them out of the building. Uh, my hot take, after seeing Texas in person last week, beating the crap out of Oklahoma, uh, my hot take is, even though I know that OSU and TCU are undefeated, I think that Texas is at least the second best team in the Big 12 and that they are going to the Big 12 championship game. I'm not going to use the words Texas is back, but Texas should be undefeated right now. They outplayed Alabama. Their quarterback got hurt. They outplayed Texas Tech without Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers, I think, is on track to be the number one overall pick when he comes out. He, he's got it, man. I mean, I know I wasn't rooting for Texas on Saturday, but he was fun to watch. He is going to be all that in a bag of chips. Quinn Ewers is, is going to be unbelievable. They got Arch Manning coming in. Credit to Sark. He's finding the quarterbacks. Texas is on the right track. I'm not saying they're back, but Texas is uh, – is finally headed in the right direction of sorts. They're getting back on the track they need to be. Texas will be in the Big 12 title game, Tom. What are the what are the Iowa State by this weekend? Um, four touchdowns. Iowa State's offense is awful. Four tutties games. Iowa State can't score. That's fair. That's fair. That's so, fair. There's my hot take. Um, oh, you sucks. Not a hot take, but true. Uh, I'll say this, and we'll talk about more with Bill coming up in just a bit. Um, I think it's way too early, Tom, to be selling Brent Venables at this point. I do have questions about some of the decision making. I mean, Jeff Levy, the way that they ran the Wildcat as much. I mean, you still have to trust your quarterback, even if. I know that Davis Bevel's horrible, that he probably shouldn't be a power five quarterback to begin with, but you still got to put the ball in your quarterback's hands. You can't be running wildcat and all that crap like that and be running three lineman fronts against that hefty Texas offensive line. Um, yes, there are you pro, are you pro booty? So you're saying you're pro booty for OU? I'm saying I'm pro anybody to throw the football. Uh, <laughs> With that said, OU sucks. They're bad. They got a lot of work to do. But even with, and I question some of the decisions Venables made, it is way too early to be selling BV and be trying to talk about a guy like Matt Rule coming into Norman next year or anything like that. To me, that's a big breach. Yeah, it is. You know, it's, it's hard to tell. You know, and, and if you look at all the, you know, we like to think of ourselves as Big 12 pros on this in terms of breaking stuff down for y'all every week. 
But, you know, even if you said, well, ah, well, Jones and Tom, well, you guys just show your opinions and you guys are homers and not, you know, I've heard it all. And, and, you know, a lot of times I feel like I could be homer. Um, I, I feel like, you know, in terms of being a homer in terms of Oklahoma state, I'm maybe more critical than a lot of people on my own favorite team, especially on a show where I can share my opinion and be put on Spotify for, um, but I will tell you, Jones, and you know the same, a lot of these uh, big sports pundits would have told you at the beginning of the season this OU team was going to be a playoff team, uh, whether that be by default in terms of the Big 12 thinking that they were not as good. Um, but everybody was wrong about Oklahoma State. I think we could probably, Jones, I mean, you could probably go back to the first part of the season and and if we want to do the first big 12 breakdown we could probably go back and listen and say well be probably probably hard pressed not to say oh you's not going to be the the back in the big 12 after the last season and we probably had great things to say about brett venables we had the best outlook for dylan gabriel we had the good outlook on mims and we thought freaking ted roof of all the some bitches would be better than than grinch and we, you know, well, we had a good outlook. Roof, but yeah, right. We thought, okay, well, you know, could be better, should be better. And then you want to look at the Nebraska game, which is now known as the Husker Curse, um, or I forget what they call it. It's the Husker something. Oh, the Husker Hex. I love it. The Husker Hex. Um, after every team that's beaten the Huskers. They've went on to go like a total of like one and 11, um, which is incredible. Um, so the Husker Hex is on and OU is feeling it. And if you would have told me that this was the outlook at the beginning of the season, if you would have told me we were at this point, I would have laughed. And I would have said there had been no way. And, and Jones, now we're looking at this weekend. And me and you are both rooting for KU. You for being a KU alum, me for – just rooting on the downfall of the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, rock shock, baby. I'm glad that you acknowledge that I'll be rooting for the University of Kansas. If, um, if, if, I'd hope so. If you, if you weren't, then, uh, you know. I, it, it only took you how many years uh, to convince you that, you know, these are my Jayhawks that I'll root for overall. Well, I mean, only because OU's bad. No, that's not true. You know, uh, only because chances over at Oklahoma. I mean, this is like this is like the Chiefs playing the Steelers. I always what have I always said? I like Oklahoma. I like Oklahoma State. I'll root for both of them when they're not playing Kansas. So yes, I will be in Norman this week. I'll be there, in like Jones would normally say, like in, in the spirit of Jones, there you have it, folks. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it folks there you have it folks <laughs> i don't even realize that i say that that often i know uh, you don't i got I, I i'm i'm very there's i'm about five sayings short from a full sound a full tyler jones soundboard <laughs> i'm very close on. to good I'm, I'm very close to great soundboard i can almost do a prank call at this point i just need about five or six more great soundboard quotes there's another can, one can, there's another one let's move on and get to there you go <laughs> level let's move on 
<laughs> we got a game, believe it or not, tonight, Tom. Baylor and West Baylor. Virginia in prime time. And the Bears. Morgantown. Um, Baylor hasn't won since 2012. In more, they haven't since now. They haven't won in Morgantown since since before you were in high school. Are you serious? I swear to God, look it up. It blew my mind this week. I didn't know Baylor that. There's not one in Morgantown. Essentially, Baylor hasn't won. Listen, this is the blow your mind stat of the week. Um, Good job on doing your homework. I did not know this. Yeah, Baylor has not won in Morgantown pretty much since West Virginia's been in the Big Twelve. Okay. That's your blow your mind stat of the week. So here's what's going to happen. I'm putting my fingers, my hands over the crystal ball right now. Um, Shout out, Jose. <laughs> our, our friend of the show, friend of the Big 12 breakdown, Jose Soto, who's a big crystal ball guy. Baylor wins in Morgantown convincingly. And we finally fired Neil Brown. Woo! There's your, I, you know, I think, I think you're kind of right, Jones. I, I think two and four home loss and also West Virginia would then have an extra couple of days to prepare for Texas tech, which would be good timing for a new head coach, like half a bye week essentially. It makes sense. I mean, yeah, Baylor's coming off a of bye week. And, and here's the funny thing, too. I've seen a lot of disrespect from Baylor. You know, Oklahoma State goes into Waco, beats Baylor. I, and, and, you know, here's where I'm critical on Oklahoma State. They say, beats Baylor by double digits. Okay, they beat them by 11. They, and that was a close game pretty much all the way through. You had Almost. a great time at that game. I had a, I had a blast. <laughs> I, <laughs> you had a blast too. You had a you had a great pregame. Um, you, you were the pregame hero. Um, and you know, this is where I'm critical on Oklahoma State. Everyone said, "Well, you know," and Oklahoma State gets a lot of disrespect. But everyone said, "Well, Oklahoma State hasn't lost a game. Oklahoma State has won every game, and they've won every game by double digits." Okay, well, to me. When you say, oh, every, Oklahoma State's won every game by double, double digits. When I think double digits, I'm like, okay, they won by 20. No, Oklahoma State won by 11 in Waco. Granted, tough game. And, and, and you want to talk about a great win early on in the season? And for Mike Gundy to win a, a Big 12 opener in Waco after losing to them in the Big 12 championship, great game. Fantastic. Fantastic for OSU. Couldn't start any better. But Baylor gets the next week off and goes off the radar and then takes disrespect right on the chin. Baylor's going to come out and, you know, if this game was in Dallas, you could call it West Virginia getting digged down in Dallas. They're about to get digged down in Morgantown, West Virginia. Um, Give me Baylor by 24. Okay. Bye-bye, Neil. Yeah, yeah, Neil L this week. KU taking on Oklahoma. Uh, Jason Bean's going to get the start. By the way, um, there was a reporter from the Lawrence Journal World, the paper of record there in Lawrence, that uh, falsely reported that Jalen Daniels would be out for the season. 
and Jalen said, that's news to me. And, and uh, they said they don't know if he's going to be out for the season or not. Um, Jason Bean going to start. Bean, remember, beat out Daniels for the job last year. He threw four touchdowns the second half against TCU. I think he's going to be just fine. I think the offense is going to be just fine. And OU, they get back Gabriel, you know, that'll help. But I have no reason to think that Oklahoma is going to all of a sudden turn on a switch that we haven't seen in the last three weeks. I think KU goes in there and they get it done. It's close, but I, I like the Jayhawks. I think they're feeling more confident. I think they're feeling a lot better than about themselves. They got a lot more mojo in the words of Mike McCarthy. The Austin Powers mojo is uh, is with KU right now. I, I, I'm riding that way for, for KU to get it done in Lawrence here. Yeah, I'm hoping you're right, Jones. And then I told you at the beginning of this, I said, well, my hot takes, OU covers, and, and OU gets the job done. I hope they don't. I still do think OU bounces back against KU, wins in Norman. I really do think me and Billy, friend of the show, Billy Locke, we made a bet. He said he would take – we would do drink bets straight up. KU wins. I owe him drinks. OU wins. He owes me drinks. I will still ride with OU here. And the only thing that disappoints me here or has me thinking otherwise, jerseys for OU this week, terrible. Way worse than the Rough Riders. This is a one-and-done type situation for them. I think OU dropping these new jerseys is just, I, I, for one, maybe to get fans in the stands. I, I, I sure wouldn't want to pay OU prices to go see, to, you know, they're going to go see – they're going to pay OU prices to see, uh, you know, last year's KU product, but it's not going to be KU putting the product on in KU terms. It's going to be OU putting on KU product. Um, it's it's a switcheroo. It's the classic switcheroo. I could see KU winning by 14. I do – like I said, okay. I think it was job done. But right. wouldn't be shocked. Iowa State, Texas – I like Texas big. This one, I think, um, gets ugly real fast. Um, I think Texas is at home there. Iowa State doesn't have much offense. Texas can score a lot of points. Um, Texas is 16.5-point favorite. I think that's been a little kind, honestly. I think it'll be unkind, too. Should have Matt Campbell should have got out when the getting was good. Hmm. He still might be able to go to Wisconsin or Nebraska. There you go. Uh, and then OSU TCU. You know, you have a TCU team that is a really complete team. An Oklahoma State team that is really good in their own rights. It all this game comes down to one player for me, Spencer Sanders. Does Spencer Sanders make enough plays? and avoid mistakes that they get the job done. If Spencer Sanders does his job, OSU wins. The only way that this game is a toss-up game is if we see Spencer Sanders not play well. That's, to me, what this comes down to, what Spencer Sanders shows up. I think that's one of the keys, Jones. I think it comes down to three things. I think you're dead on on Spencer Sanders. Can't turn the ball over. TCU's too quick. 
it comes down to that OSU back seven. You're talking about a TCU team that can score just as quick as OSU can, and you're talking about a TCU team that's very quick, very fast, and their receivers are very good and very quick. Uh, and then third key of the game, Jones, it comes down to coaching. Sonny Dykes, great start so far. Mike Gundy, legendary in his own right. Coaching. Those are your three games. Those are your three picks. Sanders, OSU's back seven, and coaching. You hit on two of those, I think OSU wins. I'm taking – I'm saying I'm going 42-38 OSU. All right. Uh, coming up next, Bill Haston of the Tulsa World joins us. We'll uh, talk Oklahoma and Oklahoma State on the other side. Stay with us. <laughs> Joining us now, the Jones Sport this week. He is back. It is our friend Bill Haston from Tulsa World who joins us on the show now. And you check out all his columns, his work uh, in the world. He's also uh, on Twitter as well. And uh, Bill, always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Uh, what's uh, what's going on in your world? Oh, man. Um, well, obviously, uh, the state of Oklahoma is uh, – upside down and and uh you know you think about it tyler i mean wh- what were you doing in 1998 were you in grade school were you two a, years old how many two years old you were a two-year you were a toddler okay so and there's a lot of other people uh, at your age or around your age who have never seen ou be uh this bad in football they've never seen ou lose football games like this. And the last time that OU, obviously the last time OU lost three in a row was 98. Um, and they never lost like this to Texas ever, not by that amount of points. Um, so it's just so crazy. Three weeks ago, they go to Lincoln. They look pretty good. Beat the Huskers. And since then, they lose to K-State. And you think, oh man, that's that's not good. I really like K State, but and then the next week they go to TCU and just get rocked, just smoked by what a team I believe now I believe TCU is the best team in the conference, and by that much over KU last week. But I think TCU has staying power. I think I think they're going to be, uh, I think they'll be really hard for Oklahoma State to beat this week. But anyway, then last week at the Cotton Bowl, are you kidding me? Forty nine nothing. Uh, on the same day, it was interesting, Tyler, that Kansas functioned so beautifully with a backup quarterback. Wow. Alabama won, albeit in spite of some turnovers, with a backup quarterback. Uh, Max Duggan, until a couple of weeks ago, was a backup quarterback. I mean, I mean, he is a backup quarterback. You know, he wouldn't even play in a couple of weeks ago, and he's out there now. So my point is, there's a lot of teams around the country that have already had to go to their second quarterback and didn't fall off the table. OU had to go to a second quarterback, and they were hapless in the Cotton Bowl. And now, you know, here you got uh, Kansas coming in with great momentum and a National Coach of the Year candidate, if not the guy, in Lance Leipold and, and uh, the most interesting team in the Big 12. Well, really, I, you know, the two most interesting teams are TCU, KU, and uh, 
And in my mind, uh, I mean, I would challenge anybody to come up with two more deserving coach of the year candidates on a national level than Kansas and TCU. Nobody saw TCU coming either. But what Kansas is doing is remarkable. And uh, opportunity knocks for sure this weekend because OU is not a broken program. Uh, that's that's Nebraska's got a broken program. Right. OU has a broken team. Big difference. Yeah. And so this is a great opportunity for KU to go to Norman. Uh, and it, you don't have to be superhuman. Just go to Norman. And uh, although I do think Dylan Gabriel will be back at quarterback, which should make a difference. Right. But OU, so many issues. And, you know, what does Kansas do really well? Uh, third down offense, really good. One of the national leaders in converting third, third downs. What does OU not do well? Third down defense. They're one of the worst teams in the country. So uh, I could see KU uh, grinding out drives and, and uh, attacking OU's weaknesses. Yeah. Which, uh, they're, they're on essentially the whole defensive side of the program is a weakness right now. And, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an unbelievable story. What, what did I figure up, Tyler? Uh, bu, 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 bu. Oh, yeah, okay. So OU in three Big 12 games has given up 587 yards per game. And that's nearly a hundred yards worse than any other school in the Big 12. A hundred yards. And they've given up 20 offensive touchdowns in three games. No other team's given up more than 12. I mean, these are crazy, crazy stats about a you know, OU program that before last year won six straight yeah. Big 12 championships, went to the playoff four times. Obviously, uh, unbelievable uh tradition and body of work dating to world war ii and so yeah there's a lot of ou fans your age or a couple of years older who've never they've never seen this they've never seen ou get beat like this so so uh, i was bill i was at the cotton bowl on uh saturday you were i saw that and yeah. that was, that was yeah. my first time ever attending red river um i've been wanting to go that game my entire life you know now that i live in dallas you know i only live like 10 minutes away from the cotton bowl had to go and, you know, I, I go and, I mean, it's like, this is not what I envisioned, you know, of, of finally going to Red River. All these great games we've seen over the years. And, I mean, you know, the offense is one thing. And we can talk about that all day long. That's a, that's a story in its own self. But the defense here, I mean, that was supposed to be, you know, BV's bread and butter. And, you know, they were supposed to get tough, get more physical. That team looks so soft. I mean, that blew my mind. And, and, you know, one of the things that, you know, I think OU fans were frustrated with over the last few years is seeing so many three-man fronts. And there they were. OU was back to – it was like the Alex Grinch defenses, the Mike Stoops defenses, but worse. I mean, like, I, I thought this was supposed to get better. I thought they were supposed to be physical, tough, you know, and, and you know, the, the fundamentals and all that were going to change. I didn't see any of that. I mean, it's it's one thing you talk about the quarterback situation all day, sure, but I mean the defense. What what the, what the hell's going on? Well, you watched uh, the TCU game. Yeah. OU TCU. Okay. It looked to me at times like there were uh, like OU was th three men short on that side of the ball. Yeah. It looked like eleven against eight. And guys, uh, unbelievable how 
the consistency with which OU's, uh, well, particularly the, the linebackers, but uh, how often they're out of the picture or out of position. And uh, I guess it was Joey Galloway that made a, who made a, a comment the other day. And, you know, it makes a lot of sense, but he said, he said, if you, if you get blocked for longer than two seconds, if you can't get off of a block within two seconds, that means you're okay with getting blocked. Yeah. And, and, and if you're just willing to just be tied up and, and not fight out of it, you're okay with it. Well, I, it see, it feels like I've seen some of that too up front and yeah. uh, they're just not winning battles and they're, and they're out of position. And it's just, it's, you know, a few injuries, but everybody's injured. It's mid season. Everybody's got right. injury. Issues, but um, yeah, it's unbelievable. It's truly unbelievable. You know, and, and on top of all the problems uh, Venables has with being a rookie or a first year coach here and, and uh, following uh, uh, Lincoln Riley, who was really successful, will never get be given the credit he should get because of the way he left. Uh, won't be remembered fondly because of the way he left and the timing of his departure, which was the day after Bedlam, which still blows my mind to think about that. Uh, but um, it's just – I wonder how much of this he saw coming or if he's as shocked as the rest of us. You know what I mean? I mean, did he come out of – did he come out of camp thinking, I think we're okay. I think we're – I think if if circumstances uh, don't uh, – get weird on us. I think we have a chance to win 10 games and win the league like yeah. they always seem to do. And, uh, or if he saw red flags either back in the spring and in August camp and maybe isn't as shocked as the rest of us. I don't know, but I know that once they had to go to a backup quarterback, uh, they went from being, uh, a problem, a, a troubled offense to being a hapless offense. And I was stunned by what I saw uh, in Dallas the other day. Couldn't believe it. I've been the 1902 Texas games and, and, uh, and I've seen it on the other side of that. I've seen OU dominate at that level in that game, uh, but not, not, not ever Texas. When, I, when Texas has been at its very best and it's, it's most dominant, it has won that game more like 13 to seven, like the 77 game, 13 to seven, because they had such an amazing defense, amazing. And Earl Campbell. Yeah. And they hit two sixty yard field goals and win the game. That's Texas's version of dominance typically. And OU's has been just to pour up 600 yards and 63 points and on a fairly, uh, they've done that a number of times against Texas, uh, but for, for OU to get shut out in the Cotton Bowl, uh, to get uh, – and, and the truth is that the score could have been 70 to nothing. If Sarkeesian had been in a really bad mood or had been a monster or a – you know what, uh, he, he could have scored 70. Uh, that's unbelievable. So, I mean, now OU uh, on the list of priorities, and there's so many, but, I mean, they got a recruiting class right now, Tyler, that's ranked sixth in the country. You got to get that. You got to keep that held together for, oh my goodness, uh, two more months, and get those guys signed and in there. There's a uh, five-star quarterback from Denton in you know in the Dallas area, 
and a five-star edge rusher from KC. Uh, they got to keep that class together. And then they have got to more effectively uh, fish out of the portal pool during the offseason because they, did, they didn't do a very good job on that. Uh, which Isn't that crazy? Just three years ago or so, I, I mean, nobody would even know what we were talking about, you know, the offseason portal process. And now it's such an essential, important part of, of uh, football and basketball. I know that it's early and, you know, we're what, six games into this point, but I mean, it, it's a fair. Not only throw you, their season's done with regard to what they usually aspire right. to play for. Their season's done, but go well, ahead. Well, what I'm about to ask is still an early question to ask. Um, is, is BV, is it fair to ask at this point if he's the right guy or not yet? Oh, no, 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 no. Because they got gashed. I mean, think about it. I mean, after Lincoln left, uh, they had a lot of guys bail out of that program. A lot of guys. So, no, 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 no. Lord, no. And, I mean, really the only coach they've hired and since I've been at the Tulsa World who you kind of felt, no, I would say two. 95 and 96, they hired Schnellenberger for the 95 season. And that never felt like a fit. And that felt like it would be short-lived, and it was one season. And then John Blake came in the next year, and that never felt like the right guy either. And uh, but I don't, I don't feel that way about Brett Venables. I don't think anybody does at this point. Um, I mean, his body of work is too impressive. His history, uh, Tyler, they're just not very good. Their roster isn't very good. It's just that so they've lost so many guys, uh, not to mention uh, there's two players who throwing the football and catching the football at Southern Cal right now who were at OU last year. And Southern Cal, here they are undefeated. And, uh, you know, Lincoln's having a great first season up there or out there. So, no, no, it's – it's understandable for fans to ask that question because they've uh, not seen OU lose like this since John Blake. Right. Totally understandable. And I'm not saying it's, it's even, uh, I wouldn't even say it's unreasonable. It's just that the, the, because the expectations of the OU people are so different than most schools. So when the standard crumbles or somebody falls far, far short of the standard, the Oklahoma standard, then it's okay to ask those questions. But I don't think he's a mistake. I don't think Castiglione certainly views him, views Brent as a mistake. And I I listen to a lot of uh, talk radio and and get on Twitter enough to see. I, I, I mean, there's a few exceptions to this, but most people are realizing that this is just a lost season with uh, bad circumstances that got worse when Dylan Gabriel got hit in the head. And so this season's a wash. I mean, th- I mean, could they could they rally and win? You know, win three times in the second half. Isn't that crazy to even ask that question? Can they win three more times in the last six games? I don't right. know. Uh, I I'll say this: as they're currently playing, they will have to. Uh, uh, they'll have to win a game, at least one game. They sh- that they shouldn't win. They'll have to like upset somebody. Uh, who that might be, I don't know. But but I 
I can't remember. Um, good Lord. When's the last time? Uh, when's the last time you go into a Kansas OU game? Really, really with the belief that Kansas can really win the game. I guess it would be uh, 09, I guess. Yeah. So 13 years. No Sam Bradford that year for OU, and Kansas had a pretty good team. Um, so, yeah, it's been a long time since KU had this kind of opportunity. Uh, and it doesn't matter if OU's up or down or whatever. If you got a chance to win in Norman, that would be a big, big, big uh, – that would be a big victory for, the, for that whole program to get that done. Do you think uh... – whether they would have hired Brent Venables or anybody else, the circumstances that Oklahoma is dealing with, it, it sounds like it was unescapable no matter who the head coach would have been this year. Is that what you, that what you think? Well, you never know. Like if you hire a different guy, if you hire a different coach, does he kind of like Lincoln went to Los Angeles with a quarterback situation ready to go. Right. I mean, it took Caleb Williams a while to say, yeah, I'm leaving, but everybody kind of knew he was leaving OU to go to, to Southern Cal. If you if you hire a different coach, uh, does he show up here with a quarterback he's been recruiting or coaching already? And is OU better situated at that position than it is today? I don't know. If you just look at the coach uh, without any other uh, attachments, hmm, I, I mean, sure. I mean, you see first-year coaches uh, do miraculous things, but – um, I would ch- I, I would like to know who that who that head coach would be who could get uh, victories out of this defense. Yeah. You saw you saw it up close, and it's it's last it, thing on, on it's jarring. It's so bad. It's it's really. Uh, oh yeah, it's something. Last yeah. thing I know you, and then I want to move on to talk Oklahoma State here. Uh, when it comes to this Oklahoma team and, you know, looking you know, towards next year already uh, with next season, we've seen that year two has been kind of the money spot for coaches, right? I mean, Nick Saban at Alabama, Kirby Smart at Georgia, even, you know, within the conference here, you're talking about Lance Leipold at Kansas and his situation. Um is next year the year for Brent Venables that we're really going to find out that you know about this Oklahoma program where they're where they're going? Well, yeah, yes, but it's not necessarily be, just because it's year two. It's because it's it's the year before they move to the SEC, and you don't want to take a wobbly, uh, jacked up, broken uh, situation into the SEC. You don't. So, and because. <clears throat> Um, OU was after Barry Switzer and before Bob, um, by OU standards was pretty average or below average for a decade. And there's enough people around Norman, including Joe Castiglione himself, who remember what that was like. And remember that it was just like, it sneaked up on everybody. It's like average season, average season, bad season, bad season, average season. These start stacking them up and you're like, holy crap, we've been in a slump now for five or six years. So nobody's want nobody's wanting to wait five or six years to get to address that problem or to get something fixed. You can't the stakes are too high going into the SEC. Uh they were too high to ever let OU football to get to that point anyway. Uh, right. in the 90s, but but now, holy cow. 
you do not want to stagger into the SEC. That ain't the way to go in. You want to go in with uh, the best you can be. And so next year, oh, my Lord. Yeah. 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 For a for hundred reasons. But in my mind, um, more than anything, so that you don't take a step back or so that you don't have program momentum going into the SEC. Yeah. Let's uh, transition to talk Oklahoma State now. Uh, folks are undefeated uh, at this point and uh, kind of a, a sleeper team in the uh, playoff picture here. How good do you think this uh, Oklahoma State team is? Uh, you know, it's a really interesting team that the front end of Gundy's time as the head coach, they had a really hard time finishing on the road. And some of his – you know, so many games those first three years as head coach, they would have a team on the ropes and let them off and and couldn't finish on the road. It's just, uh, and I guess I think back to that because I was on the beat for so long. And, and so it's so impressive to me that they have become such a good road team. And two weeks ago at Waco, really clutch, that the absolute essence of a team win because you got difference-making, game-winning plays, special teams, uh, like really, really good special teams that day. Uh, Sanders was really good, and then the defense was sensational. So, uh, last week against Tech, had some adversity. You trail by four and a half, uh, grind out a pretty good win last week because Texas Tech is an interesting, tough team. Uh, now you go to TCU, uh, or you, I say, yeah, Oklahoma State goes to TCU and. I'll just tell you right now. I mean, I expect TCU to win the game. Uh, what we're about to find out about TCU is whether they're a really hot team or whether they're a really good team. And I'm starting to really lean more toward the good team. I think TCU is a really, really good team. Uh, and I knew that what Sonny Dykes did at SMU was borderline miraculous. But we're seeing now, um, you know, he's the real deal. Uh, and would be at any level. And then, you know, obviously, uh, maybe not everybody knows, but I think most people by now are aware that Lincoln's brother (laughs) is the offensive play caller for uh, TCU, so that adds an interesting – Yeah, former Kansas uh, wide receiver coach. Yeah, adds a little layer of intrigue. So, uh, it's – I hear – I keep hearing that uh, Spencer Sanders might be a little bit banged up with regard to a shoulder, uh, we'll see. I mean, but then I heard also today that he had practiced and looked pretty good today. So, uh, you know, like after they won last week, Tyler, over Texas Tech, the first thing Gundy said was, we have got to run the football more effectively. And that, to me, will be uh, uh, what I will be looking at most intently early in that game is whether – OSU's offensive line is getting any push and whether their tailbacks are getting any yards because it's a dangerous way to do business to have your quarterback uh, be your – not only your leading rusher in, returns, in terms of yardage, but to get – oh, my goodness. I think he's he's right at 60 carries for this season. That's a dangerous way of doing business. So can OSU get more of a ground game – generated without exposing Spencer Sanders, you know, to that much violence out on the edge of the field. They, they've got to figure that out. But, I mean, and um, 
can OSU win the game? Really, honestly, bottom line, can OSU beat that that TCU team that I think is a pretty complete team? Can OSU is their front seven defensively good enough to win that game? Because that's how they'll have to win it. Uh, because their secondary is not ready to win that kind of game, but their front seven is pretty good, and they they have a hell of a pass rush, and uh, we'll see how that goes with Duggan because they'll have to keep him contained. Bill, it, it feels like to me with with Oklahoma State, you know what we've seen over the last few years with Spencer Sanders is that you're always going to get that game or two where Spencer's just off and he's not playing well. Last year. Happened to be a Big 12 championship game when he had four turnovers. What I wonder is, whether it happens this week against TCU or at some point in the year, will Oklahoma State have enough to rally around and and play well enough to win if Spencer Sanders does have that letdown game? Well, I mean, the, the tailback, the running back last year, uh, who was so good for them, you know, he's in the NFL now. Jalen Warren, yeah. Or Jalen Warren, sorry. Yeah. Jalen Warren, yeah, yeah. And he was so clutch and such a reliable and tough running back for them. Um, I tell you what, if this OSU team had uh, any of uh, about five or six of Gundy's previous tailback combinations from 06, 08, 2011, uh, man, I, this would be a heck of a, an offense for Oklahoma State. But um, at the same time, they got a lot of playmakers catching the football. They don't have seem to have very many running it. And so, let's your hypothetical is winner if Tyler, uh, Tyler winner if Spencer has a, 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 a four turnover kind of a football game. Or can they figure out a way to win that? In spite of no, they don't because they don't have the running game and. Uh, it's too much to ask. It would depend on the opponent too, but but presuming it's it's a. How about this though? Have, have you ever seen the Big Twelve where like literally everybody can beat everybody? Literally, the last place team can beat anybody in the league. So there's really not a. I mean, who's a, the worst team in the league? Probably West Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of uh, it's they not that hard. They got a good quarterback. Sure. Oh, yeah, and they got a great, especially when it's a night game, they got a great home field advantage. Uh, probably has lost a little bit of its heat uh, from when they were, you know, when they have a really good team and they have a night game at home. Uh, that's a real, uh, that's a, actually for me, I, I enjoy going up there, but that's a real advantage for the Mountaineers to play at home at night when they're really good. Um, yeah, they don't get very many night games anymore. It's crazy. It's a spectacle. Um, but no, I don't think, I don't think OSU this season is good enough defensively or certainly with its run game to overcome a catastrophically bad, uh, turnover day for by Spencer Sanders. I don't. Last question. We'll end on this. Uh, I know you've been following real closely right there in your backyard in Tulsa with, uh, that Bixby program, uh, you'll make it some historic milestones. I mean, they're somehow that, that, the giant that is Bixby footballs just keep getting better. You know, and the funny thing too is, is this is Bixby's first year in class six, a one, which in Oklahoma is the largest class. And, but Bixby is like a fraction of the size of the bigger schools in the state. 
and you attended the biggest school, right? One of the biggest high schools in the country, I'm sure. With the, how many kids graduated in your class? Uh, 1110. <laughs> right. Uh, I think it's gotten a little bigger since then, too. It has. No, it really has. But, but, uh, um, Bixby, well, just for the sake of, uh, before I talk about the size of the school, Bixby's won 55 in a row. It's a state record, most by any 11 man football program in Oklahoma history, 55 in a row. They have not lost since the opener in 18, 2018. And that was to Jinx. Uh, so now uh, I remember writing it and I remember so much talk about, you know, um, I asked an, uh, an opposing coach in 6A1, what do you think of Bixby coming into the to this classification this year? And the guy said, welcome to the SEC is what he said. And so at the midway, slightly beyond the midway mark of the high school season, Bixby has outscored opponents by 350-something points, nearly 60 a game. And I'm telling you, it's, it's, uh, it's the most impressively coached and dominant football situation I've seen in Oklahoma since Alan Trimble's Jinx Dynasty in 97. Uh, and that team in 14 games gave up 80 one rushing yards in 14 games. And to me, it's still the gold standard uh, uh, of all Oklahoma high school teams was 97 jinx. But you know what? 22 Bixby Spartans are tracking in that kind of way. And they play your uh, alma mater uh, Friday. Bixby oh, versus uh, BA, BA at Bixby Friday. So lovely. <laughs> it, it, it's the most uh, beautifully coached. And uh, I can't say they're not having fun. It's not a joyless situation. It's not a, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. but, there, but there's no nonsense, if that makes sense. They're having a great time. And I marvel at Lauren Montgomery, Co Coach Lauren Montgomery's ability to sustain a high level of motivation out of the st starters who know they're not going to play more than a half. They never get to play more than a half. Never. Never. They won't play – his starters won't play a full game until maybe Jinx in the regular season finale on ESPN, uh, and maybe not even at all. Last year they didn't – his starters never played in the second half, hardly ever, including the championship game. It's just a – it's a remarkable story uh, of a, a – oh, and I was going to say, too, in, in that classification, uh, like Bishby's the second smallest school. There were 400 kids, 450 maybe, in this year's graduating class, 450. But this last year's seventh grade class, they tell me, had like 750. So Bixby's growing like a weed. That area, you know, of course you know the area, uh, South Tulsa. But um, so if, if there's a 300-kid difference from this year's grads to – Five years from now, grads, that school is just – in fact, they just broke ground on a new uh, high school just a few weeks ago. So, Bixby is uh, – from a football standpoint, Bixby's already a super heavyweight, and before too much longer, there'll be a super heavyweight with regard to a new school, a new stadium, and all this new stuff. So It's uh, unreal. Bill, yeah, I know yeah. you got to go. Uh, we will talk again down the line. Uh, thanks for joining us as always, my friend. Uh, 
and uh, all the best to you. Thanks for uh, the time. crazy season. And I listen. I just I'm so impressed by uh, Jayhawk football this year. And you know, I mean, how about I mean, I, I said at the time, K State hired a great, great coach, and Kleiman is. Uh, you know, last year wasn't what you want or what wasn't what they want, but uh, I mean, state of Kansas. Uh, has got it going in football, and I, I think it's fantastic. I mean, all right, I'll end it with this. If if you had asked in a computer in, like, the summer and just said, all right, spit out the most insane improbabilities you can even think of computer in college football. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagcast.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. He's also the host of the Coach Bodo's podcast out each and every Monday and Friday. He joins us right now. Bo, how are we doing? Hey, we're doing good. It's been a busy couple of weeks and uh, trying to keep things keep things moving here. Very good. Yeah, it's, uh, this, yeah. right now, we'll tell you, if you know anybody that's going through Medicare uh, enrollment, We'll give give have give us a shout. We can help them out with that. We got a great partner to help us with. It's all the supplemental stuff as well. So give us a shout. Whether, whether any state you're in, any state across the country, whether it's here in Kansas or Oklahoma or Texas, anywhere, you can be in California. We've got someone who can help with our new partners. So oagcast.com, counteradvisegroup.com for more. Oh, uh, the picks this week. Uh, this is an incredible slate of games. Um, that we're looking at here on tap. Uh, on the college side, it begins with a top six head-to-head matchup, Alabama and Tennessee, Bama favored by seven and a half. Top 10 battle in the Big Ten between Penn State and Michigan, Michigan favored by seven. Uh, two undefeated teams in the Big 12, Oklahoma State and TCU, TCU favored by three and a half at home. Uh, two... Surprise teams in the ACC, NC State and Syracuse, both ranked in the top 20. Syracuse favored by three and a half at home. And then a top 25 matchup in the SEC, Mississippi State and Kentucky. Mississippi State favored by seven uh, there on the road. On the NFL side, uh, two of the best teams in the NFL right now, and they're both in the same division in the NFC East, the Cowboys and the Eagles. Eagles favored by five. Two of the best teams in the AFC, a rematch of uh, the game of the year last year, the Bills and Chiefs, Bills favored by three. Ravens and Giants, uh, Giants certainly surprising a lot of people. Baltimore's favored by five on the road. Vikings and Dolphins, Vikings favored by three. Broncos and Chargers, both teams very desperate at this point. Chargers favored by five. So both. We'll start out uh, with the college picks here, Alabama and Tennessee. And uh, Alabama, they did not look good last week in that win against Texas A&M without Bryce Young going on the road. This is probably, what, the biggest game that Tennessee's hosted in, what, 20 years? Alabama favored seven and a half. What do you think here, Bo? Well, I was looking. I saw Nick Saban's press conference today, and he said that he thinks Bryce Young is going to be playing. Uh, We haven't seen a report that says he's – 100% 100% in or 100% out, it's most likely he will play. Bryce Young playing is everything for me in this game, but I'll take Bama minus seven and a half. 
I was very impressed with Tennessee last week. I've been very impressed with what they're doing. They're scoring points. They won't score as many points against Alabama's defense. This game will be close for a while. But I'll take Bama late. The hooks got me a little worried, seven and a half. But I'm going to go ahead and lay the points in this case and uh, and take Alabama, the better team. You know, whether Bama has Bryce Young at full strength or not, that kind of worries me because that team looked lethargic last week uh, without Bryce Young. And it seemed like there's big, there were bigger issues than just Bryce, Bryce Young's absence personally. I think Alabama wins, but Tennessee's a good football team. Uh, best they've looked in a long time. They're at home. Bo, I got, I got Alabama winning, but uh, I think Tennessee covers. I'll, I'll go with, uh, with UT here to uh, cover that margin. How about you, Tom? Let me volunteer my opinion. And let me tell you that Tennessee is going to get the dub. Ooh. Okay. Give me the points and give me the Vols. All right. So two for Tennessee here. Uh, how about hey? Let's get let's get to the cigar smoking. Right. Uh, Penn State taking on Michigan. Michigan favored by seven at home in the Big House. Bo, what do you think about this matchup? So I was watching part of the Michigan game last week, and you know, there's they've had a couple games in a row where early they have been, I guess you could say lethargic is the word you used earlier. They've just played really slow and they haven't looked great. Then they get into a game late, and this is they did this against Iowa, they did it against Indiana, they had the same thing happen in Maryland, but they they said it turn it on in the fourth quarter of games. I'm not a big believer in Penn State, so I'm going to go with Michigan in the big house. I know it's seven, but I'm going to take Michigan. Okay. Uh, for those same reasons, uh, Penn State, this was wasn't this, this was supposed to be a down year for them. Um, and, you know, they played good, but Michigan's played really good. They're at home here. Uh, I'm taking uh, the Wolverines uh, at the big house. How about you, Tom? I think that. Michigan, I think they deserve a, a further ranking down. They they don't deserve to be at four. I do think they win this game. I will say that. If they lose, well, I'll be shocked. Not at all. But for this one, I'll take Michigan. I'm very hesitant to to be all in. I'm, I wouldn't even call myself all in, right? Michigan, I think, is a fraud in somewhat terms, but I do think they get past this one. So you just called them a fraud and you still picked them to cover seven here. That doesn't sound like a fraud to me. Well, I mean, based on your logic there, seven, right. OU is put at what, 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 what's OU at not like seven and a half, nine, eight. Something like nine. that. Yeah. Right. We, we know OU is a fraud and from their jerseys this, this weekend, uh, I, I, that should be a KU dub, but I feel more confident in Michigan getting the dub than I do OU. So I don't see how that has to do with OU. OU is unranked. You know, they're not relevant. I mean, Michigan is well, a seven point well, favorite well, against who, a top 10 is, team. You win okay, by seven against a top 10 team. You're not a fraud. I think I see where Tom's going because I don't think Michigan's the fourth best team in the country. Either. Absolutely not. They're a top 25. I, mean, I, I, I'd say I they're a 12 team. 
But I, I also love the bullet. And I think I think I think we're kind of in the same area here, Tom. I think after those top three, I don't know that there is a fourth best team. I yeah, we got I mean, this like, pot week with week like six or seven teams. I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not some big Michigan defender either by any stretch, yeah. but I think they're probably the second best team in the Big Ten, easily behind Ohio State. Well, I would dis- I wouldn't disagree with that, but no, I couldn't disagree with that either because who else are you going to pick? I mean, I mean, a- after that, you're probably going to pick Penn State, and then it's like, oh, okay, well, that's a great matchup this week. Seven points. Michigan has, I- Michigan has whatever they have, and I'm just going to go ahead and take Michigan because, and then you know, if they don't do it, then okay. Is, is everybody – in that case, is everybody on board on Michigan? Is that what we're saying? I don't know. We're not saying that at all. Um, ah. I'm just not saying that they're – I'm not going to call them fraudulent. Um, fraudulent four. I just yeah. think that they're – between four and ten, I'm looking at they're the polls the right now. Between four and ten, they're all the same. I, I don't. Um, I think teams that are seven and eight in the AP poll are better than the four, five, and six. I'm I'm putting two hundred fifty dollars down. I'm biased. I'm putting two hundred fifty dollars down. OSU beats Michigan straight up. OSU yeah, is see, from Oklahoma State, neutral yeah. side. Oh, oh, Oklahoma State's one of the teams that I think is either four or five. Oklahoma State's going to beat Michigan, neutral side game, hundred percent. Put them in the Rose Bowl. Put Michigan versus Oklahoma State in the freaking Rose Bowl, and I'm taking OSU nine out of ten times. Well, speaking of OSU, taking on TCU this week. TCU is a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. We were just talking to Bill Haston earlier of the Tulsa World, and he was talking about how this TCU team looks like a complete football team. On they both do. Ends. Sonny Dykes has done an incredible job there his first year. They're at home. They're a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Bo, which way are you leaning towards? Sir? I, I'm not even leaning. I'm thinking Oklahoma State. I, I think Oklahoma State is either the fourth or fifth best team in the country. And I don't – I think that TCU can score a lot of points, but they're going to give up a lot of points. So you're going to always be in a track meet with them. A good defense is going to give them some problems. That are certain, a, a, a better echelon defense than what they've seen so far. I'm going to take Oklahoma State here. I think Oklahoma State can win the game. I think they should win the game. Three and a half to me is kind of a gift. Yeah, um, three and a half. That tells me that's basically, if, if this were a neutral side, a, a pick them pretty much. You get the three from yeah. being the home team. So. <laughs> Exactly right. I think Oklahoma State's a better team. TCU's done a great job to this point, no question about it. Um, Max Duggan has played the best we've ever seen by far. I think he's the better quarterback in this game, but I think Oklahoma State's got the better defense. They win with that side of the ball. Oklahoma State not only covers the three and a half as an underdog, I have them winning uh, outright as well. How about you, Tom? Jones, I think they cover as well, but I, I this is this is going to be – and, and obviously, I'm biased. Anybody that listens to the show is going to be like, well, whatever Tom says about Oklahoma State, bullshit. And they might not be completely wrong. But I, I think I think both of you guys kind of know that Oklahoma State is not a bullshit team 
they do have a great defense. Even they had a better defense last year, and TCU has one of the better deep ball. If you want to talk about just just playmaking offenses, TCU has Oklahoma State beat. They also they both have great offenses. I would I, I think that you know if you want to pick the difference in this game. I think OSU has a little bit better of a defense. I think their I think their offenses are very even. You want to match up their defenses and and pick and choose. I'll take OSU's defense, but they're back seven. Um, they're coming off of a they're coming off of a game versus Tech where they played 104 plays against the Tech's offense, and you're going to Fort Worth, and I think there's going to be a lot of orange in that game. I think there's going to be a lot of OSU fans at that game. But when it comes down to it, I think if OSU was to drop a game this season, this is the one. You got Texas at home. You you go to K-State. You go to KU. That is minus Jalen Daniels. If you're going to drop a game, this is probably the game that OSU drops. If you're going to drop one, I, I like their chances more so in Stillwater versus Texas versus Quinn Ewers than I do their chances against Max Duggan in Fort Worth. They can get right. past the game. We all got Oklahoma State. Is- um, next up, uh, NC State taking on Syracuse. Syracuse favored by three and a half. Both Syracuse is undefeated, um, but they haven't really played anybody. To their credit, this is the best start they've had in quite some time. NC State, Dave Dorn's good coach. You know, they, they, they're having a good year themselves. I feel like this is our first test to actually find out if Syracuse is actually good or not. They're favored by three and a half. This is their biggest game in a long time. Yeah, I'm thinking NC State here. I think NC State can win this game too. I I think that Syracuse's 18 ranking is just a matter of being 5-0. and Um they really haven't been tested. Virginia's the best team they've played so far, who they won a close game 22-20 with. Um, NC State's battle-tested. NC State did lose uh, a couple weeks ago to uh, Clemson. Just had a close game with Florida State, who's uh, we've seen can be a good, decent team. I like this game. I think this will be a close game. But I like NC State – I think that they can – I think NC State will win the game, but I think it's one of those one or twos. I mean, it's going to be close. And if Syracuse were to win, less than a field goal in my view. I'll take NC State and lay the points. Um, you know – I'm sorry, I'm taking the points. I'm sorry, I'm taking three there. My bad. So I've never been to Syracuse – I've never been to Syracuse, New York, but I feel a connection with Syracuse in a sense. Uh, one of my best buddies uh, from work, Will Scott, is a, a Syracuse grad – uh, there. Uh, I'm, you know, I'll bet he sports. mentions it every day too, doesn't he? Oh, he does. Oh, yeah. Syracuse grads are they are the worst when it comes to I, that. Every day they go and mention they graduate from Syracuse. I love my buddy Will, but the most annoying thing in the world is when Syracuse people win. Um, and you know them tell about bragging about their degrees and everything. Um. One of my one of my loyal followers on uh, on Seahawks today, Spintendos from Syracuse, big Syracuse fan. Um, this is their biggest game they've had a lot long time. A lot of excitement there at the Carrier Dome. NC State, you let me down against Clemson a couple weeks ago. 
I'm you lost my trust. Uh, I'm going with Syracuse to win and cover uh, for no other reason than their big game, and I've already been disappointed by NC State. I'll go with Syracuse here. How about you, Tom? You know, I like Syracuse. I do. And I, I think they could be really I, – I like what they've done so far, right? I, I'm not discrediting what they have done so far. And I don't, I don't really they're, – they're a whole lot like Kansas. They're the, they're the northeast Kansas, am I right? And if, yeah. if – I'd love to see – I would love to see a KU-Syracuse bowl game. Can you imagine that? Oh, I and I can only imagine what it would do for you. You versus Willie Finns in the trenches, baby, in the trenches. Like, do you imagine what that would do for chat sports? You guys could have a, a boot bet or you could get dirtier than that. There's there's a lot of ways that you and Willie Finns could get dirty uh, on that bet. But if I had to pick if I had to pick a team that's going to finish better. It's got to be KU. I, I don't have enough trust in Syracuse yet. But who are you picking in the game against NC State here? I mean, it's got to be NC State, right? Okay. It's got to be. <laughs> okay. For right now. All right. This, this, is the biggest, this is the biggest Syracuse game of the last, I don't know how many years. All right, uh, last college game. Then we'll move on to the uh, NFL. Mississippi State, Kentucky. Mississippi State is favored by seven on the road here. Oh, that's a lot of points for a road team. It is. You know, the issue is that Kentucky, we don't know what's going on with the quarterback. With Will um, Levis. Will Levis. And so, I was again, I was looking at that earlier, trying to get some info. Uh, Coach Stoops was saying that Will Levis, if he does – if he is how he is now. He will play. He doesn't have a setback between now and Saturday. Um, I think the biggest problem here, I think Mississippi State's a better team. Will Levis makes Kentucky better. Kentucky's come off two consecutive losses. Last week versus South Carolina, of all teams, they lose a game without Levis. Um, they lose the game of week four to Ole Miss. I I like – I'm taking Kentucky in the seven, but my reasoning is, one, it's at home. Two, I think Levis plays. And three, Mississippi State might be looking past this game because they got Bama next week. And I'm wondering if they're thinking, hey, you know, the team just lost two in a row. We'll go to Kentucky. We'll beat them. You know, a lot of uh, the old Pirates offenses haven't played as well traditionally on the road as they do at home. I'm going to go ahead and take Kentucky plus the seven, but I do think Mississippi is the better team and will probably win the game. Okay. I like Kentucky for all the same reasons you just mentioned. And what I would add to that is if Will Levis is playing and he's at full strength, this is a guy, folks, I know we've talked a lot about Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud for this next draft. Mel Kuyper, who is the greatest draft analyst to ever face grace the earth, has Will Levis as his number two quarterback right now, ahead of Bryce Young. I mean, Will Levis is really coming along and catching the eyes of, of the draft scouts out there and, and 
you know, looking like that guy. Uh, with that, and they're at home and everything, I like Kentucky uh, as an underdog here to cover at home. How about you, Tom? I like Kentucky, too. And Kentucky started off hot, right? They started off real hot. And a lot of people like them to, you know, maybe not make the college football playoff, but a lot of people had them over Tennessee. And we're going to find out about Tennessee, what kind of team Tennessee is. Even if Tennessee loses against Bama this weekend, we're going to really find out. But a lot of people had them over Tennessee, and now that's kind of been scaled back. Kentucky's not a bad team, right? They're not a bad team, even if they get scaled back over, you know, four other teams in the SEC. Um. I like I like tennis or sorry I like Kentucky to to do what they've you know maybe what we thought they would continue to do this this weekend. Um, I think they can still be that good team. Can they be a Sugar Bowl team? Probably not. But can they be that next team bef- after that? Hundred percent. I like I like Kentucky this weekend. And uh, I actually misspoke on the Mel Kiper thing. Uh, his latest mock draft projection. Has Will Levis going number one overall as the first pick in the draft? Well, um, so I sold Mel short on his uh, love of Will Levis. There, so. he, he's smoking a little bit of good shit. <laughs> I'd like to Maybe smoke the same shit. Maybe so. Uh, Mel Kiper Jr. Uh, enjoying some Junior there. Uh, all right, uh, NFL Cowboys and Eagles. Great game in the NFC East here, Bo Cooper Rush. Final start, more than likely. Sounds like Dak's going to be back next week. Philadelphia favored by five here. What do you think about this game in Philly? This is a hell of a football game. This is going to be a good matchup. I think the big issue here is Dallas has played well the last four weeks with Cooper Rush, and but they haven't had – he has not had to go out and make plays. I mean, he's not having these big, big games. He's played well enough to win. And he's played well enough that he's now going to be the backup quarterback without a doubt for the Cowboys moving forward. Right, and he's not Um, making mistakes. Yeah, he's not making a lot of mistakes. He's going to have to play a really, really great game to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. I think the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. I think they're probably the second or third best team in the entire NFL. I like the Eagles at home, and I don't have a problem laying five. I think the road for Cooper Rush is – win streak is over this week. I think it's really harmful to Dallas that this game popped up the way it did and they don't have Dak this week because with the loss to the Eagles, they're two games back in the division and they can only do a tie if they were able to get the Eagles later in the season. So it's essentially a three-game lead in a way. So I was surprised that Dallas hasn't rushed Dak back. Still wouldn't be surprised. We're recording this on Wednesday. I wouldn't be surprised if Dak does get rushed rushed back. But I'm taking the Eagles here, and I I think the five is about right. I'm going to go with the uh, Cowboys in this one. I like the Eagles to win, but five points right now I think is a little too high for my liking. Dallas has – Maybe the best defense in the league right now. That group is really solid. Could give Jalen Hurts some issues. I like Philadelphia at home to win, but 
Five is a bit of a reach for me as far as I'm concerned. I'll go with the Cowboys to cover uh, there. Tom, the Cowboys dominated uh, the Rams last week. How do you think they'll do here against Philly? Hey, listen, you don't have to remind me um, what the freaking Cowboys did against my Rams. Um, I'm not – I don't I, – listen, I don't give a fuck what um, Cooper Rush did against shit. You know how I feel about Cooper Rush in general. Even bef- – you know, you can forego the Rams. You can forego the freaking Dallas Cowboys. You know how I felt about Cooper Rush is- – and not only a person, but his, his college team as well. Um, give me the Eagles by 100, baby. Just in spite. I like it. Fight. Spite. Only, well, spite and, you know what, you know, it, it's a very tough situation because if you will look at the quarterback battle, it's like, do I go for OU and Bama's Jalen Hurts or do I go for – freaking central michigan and cooper rush it's, it's a lose lose for me but if i had to pick one well you know what let's go eagles fly eagles fly fly eagles fly on the road to victory that's a catchy song i love it senior uh, would be bills and eagles josh allen patrick mahomes in kansas city bills favored by three what do you think paul you said Bills Eagles. It's Bills Chiefs. But, Bills yeah. Chiefs. Sorry, my mind yeah. was still on the um, you know, Eagles. You were still singing the Fly Eagles Fly. Fly song. Eagles Fly. <laughs> hey, this is the two best teams in the league. Uh, the entire league. These are the two best teams. But there's a drop off between one and two. I'm taking Buffalo minus three. I think Buffalo's going to win this game. I just. I think they want this. I think they've circled their calendar for this. I think Buffalo's by far the best team in the NFL right now, too. Give me the Bills. You might not be wrong, but Buffalo is very banged up right now. A lot of injuries on that team. Kansas City outplayed the Raiders last week. Should have won by a lot more. The refs took about 10 points, about a 10-point swing there with that awful pass interference call, which I want to ask you about here in just a second when we get to uh, the segment portion of this. With that said, uh, I like the Chiefs not only to cover, I like the Chiefs to win outright. I'm going Kansas City here. Tom, you get to be the uh, tiebreaker here. Who you got? Chiefs Bill or Lane. Bills with the Bills? Bills and a half. Bills ain't beating Chiefs in Kansas City. If it's in Buffalo, I'll take Bills. If it's in Kansas City. I'm taking Kansas City. That's it. Okay. So two for KC, one for Buffalo there. Uh, Ravens taking out the Giants. Bo, uh, Giants' biggest surprise of the year in the NFL at four and one. But even at that, even at that, they're probably the worst four and one team of all time. Uh, the Ravens three and two, happy to be three and two after getting by the Bengals last week. They lead the AFC North. The Ravens seem to be the more talented team, but the Giants have the momentum and they're the home team here. What gives with uh, the Ravens favored by five? Okay, the Ravens are the best player on the field. It's the best quarterback. They're going to New York, but I'm taking the Giants plus the five. Um, The reason I'm saying this is that every game Baltimore's been in, their wins, they've been close. They've been two-point wins, three-point wins. I think they'll win again. Every game is close for the Ravens. You can't blow them out, and they won't blow you out. Giants and five. 
Oh man, uh, this one's tough. Uh, it was me, a tough. This was the toughest game for me to pick this week. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I know that the Ravens are without Marcus Williams for a while, and that's going to hurt. That won't be easy, but I like what I've seen from Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews, Devin Duvernay. That offense is explosive. They can put up points. I don't think the Giants are going to hang with them offensively. I'll go with the uh, Ravens to uh, win and cover that five. How about you, Tom? I'll go with the same thing. I don't think Giants can hang with the Ravens offensively. And um, for that reason alone, I'll take the Ravens. Vikings and Dolphins. Skylar Thompson gets the start for the Dolphins. Uh, the Vikings, a three-point favorite at home here. Bo, I know you just love Skylar Thompson, don't you? You know, I this is a tough game to pick. Is it? I, I look at, yeah, and here's why. So the game's in Miami. Right. And teams have trouble going to Miami. It's going to be hot. And, and, and the Vikings are good, but they're not great. I mean, they every game they win has been close. I'm not a, I'm not convinced the Vikings are good because I'm just not convinced on Kirk Cousins. But I mean, look at the Dolphins, Skylar Thompson. I mean, if they had two, I'd be picking the Dolphins, and it wouldn't even be a question. Begrudgingly, I am taking the Vikings. I think I'm also taking the Vikings. Having trouble taking the Vikings because one of my best friends is a Vikings fan, and they beat my Saints again, and it's just a pain every time that the Vikings beat my Saints. But. I'm going to go ahead and lay the three and a half. Are we calling it three or are we calling it three and a half? Uh, we are calling it three. Okay, then I'll lay three. Okay. Skyler Thompson should be in the XFL, not the NFL. Going with the Vikings, cover three. Enough said. Tom, who do you got? You're you know, again, Tom. I'm probably going to just go ahead and take the Vikings side. You know, I think Dalvin Cook's coming along. And, uh, I mean, it's, you know, you, what did you say, five and a half? It's, uh, it's, it's three. Oh, even better. So, give me the Vikings. Okay. Last one, Broncos and Chargers. Chargers favored by five. Both teams, very desperate. Bo, five points for the Chargers. Is that too much? No. <laughs> This Broncos team is just awful. They're awful. Their leadership's awful. Their quarterback is awful. Their head coach. Um, their head coach is just a clusterfuck. I mean, let's just say it. He shouldn't be a head coach in the NFL. Um, no, the Chargers are going to win this game. They're going to win it going away. They're, people are going to be leaving this game at halftime. Give me the Chargers. What's in L.A.? I'm sorry. I thought it was in Denver. It's in L.A., so the Denver fans who will be in L.A., they'll be leaving at halftime. They're going to the beach. Um, yeah. I mean, give me uh, – this is Monday night's game. And how does Denver have so many night games? I mean, they've been on Thursday night already twice. They've been on Monday night. This is their second Monday night game. I mean, is Russell Wilson that popular? I just don't realize it. No, I mean, listen, what other stake can you Yeah, this is their second in? Monday night game. What the hell? Hey, listen, you can't smoke pot in any other – state than what california oregon washington 
Well, listen, you're not smoking. You're not going to be smoking pot live on air, and uh, for the for the sea chickens. So what is if that? You, it, I, I'm just saying. What in the hell are you talking about, Tom? No, I'm just saying. Like, of course they're going to put it out. I mean, you know, you want to talk about the Broncos versus the Seahawks. You know, in terms of like, oh, okay, well, Sea Chickens play whatever, Broncos play whatever. Broncos had a better outlook on their season, and Daniel Hackett hacked it away. Pete Carroll should retire. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of like, well, you know, the Sea Chickens could have had something, and Geno Smith may be one of the better quarterbacks. Where are you going with this? What does this have to do hey, with the Broncos having too many primetime games? I hey, listen. What I'm saying about and the Broncos, the Chargers, right. not the Seahawks. Right. I'm I'm comparing Russell Wilson to what he had in Seattle to what now he has in Denver. He's Nobody's not impressed asking about Seattle. Well, I'm comparing it. Goddamn. Um. Seattle, yeah, sure, just signed Bruce Wilson or Bruce whatever his name is. Bruce Irwin, yes. Irwin, Wilson, Russell, whatever. Okay, Chargers um, or Broncos? I don't know what the hell you just yeah. said. What are Listen, you it's, it's, it's obviously Chargers. Um, you know, like the Broncos don't get it done, and Seattle would have never even got it done even with Russell Wilson. And the Chargers might still not get it done with Herbert, but they will get it done this weekend over Sea Chicken, Russell Wilson. Okay. I don't know what Tom just said, but nonetheless, that's, that's, that's a formula. That's a formula. About three or four minutes into this segment, I thought Tom is in rear form. Yeah. I the thought that was <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm going to Idaho in a rare eight hours from right now so maybe maybe that's maybe that's it okay uh bo let's Jones. talk about the oh, okay. miss pass interference penalty uh that's how we begin today uh from that yeah. chiefs and raiders game almost cost chiefs that game and thank goodness it didn't uh what do you make of the first off the new rule this year about how, you know, players can't fall on the quarterback, bring them down, but then two, how it was interpreted as well. What the hell was Chris Jones supposed to do in that situation? Yeah, I, there was nothing Chris, for let's start at the end and work, back, work forward, work backwards there. One, there was nothing Chris Jones could do. That was, he did everything he could do to not get penalized. I am not a guy who normally says, oh, man, the refs fucked them. That cost them the game. But that was the most poorly officiated NFL game I can recall. Not just that call, but I thought there was two or three others. Even the call that went for the Chiefs later on the the, the intentional grounding, the refs had to get together twice to decide it was intentional grounding. had that game not happened at Arrowhead, it had happened like where I'm from in Louisiana, we'd have had, there'd have been referees that would have been, you know, driving old cars with no tires. Cause they'd have been all flat. Um, 
I, I just amazing how poorly the NFL games can be officiated sometimes. And the inconsistency on some of these calls. I understand, and the rule last year was you couldn't forcefully take them to the ground. That happened last year. And the complaint, when you and I talked about it last year, I think I said it on here a couple of times, is who was it called on? If we saw it was, there were quarterbacks that got that call. Tom Brady is the one who gets it the most. Where and they, they had that call in his game this week. There was a bullshit call. It's like we can't hit a quarterback at all. And I get it, they're the money of the league. But where can you hit a quarterback at this point? You can't hit him below the knee. You can't hit him above the above the helmet. You can't hit him in the helmet, even if you're just trying to bat a ball and you happen to hit his helmet, it's 15 yards. Then if you happen to be taking him down, if you fall on him, that's a 15-yard penalty. Why don't we just put these son of bitches in bubble wrap and do it that way. I don't know. And I don't like the fact that they sort of change the rules midway and get a little too um, whistle happy because of what happened with Tua. I think the biggest problem, I think it leads to the biggest problem in the NFL's officiating is that there's no full-time officials. And they're not going back and reviewing these things like they would if they were full-time officials going back after Sunday's game and watching it on Monday and talking about what they can and could do better or what the league overall needs to be doing. And I think that this is the biggest problem. It, it, inconsistency on calls, not really understanding what they're trying to call, and then the league expectation shifts week to week depending on the narrative of what happened the previous week. I, I just I don't get it. I don't understand how a multi-billion dollar enterprise like the NFL has part-time referees. And they pay them enough they should be full-time. Yeah. And I know they say things like, well, some of these guys are, you know, I know like Ed Hockey League was a, was a, um, a lawyer, other things like that. All right, fine. Have your business. Have your side hustle. We all got one. But – if it's going to eliminate some of those guys from jobs, so be it. Because frankly, a lot of those guys, they're the problems. Yes. You know, so if it's going to eliminate a job from a guy who's maybe been a 10 or 12 year vet, you know, I'm not going to have a lot of sympathy. It just is what it is at this point. They're not doing well enough that we have to change how this whole system is, which is what they're doing that I don't have empathy for those guys who may lose their jobs because well, of And, you know, that rule was you know, clearly about protecting the quarterback. And there's so many rules out there that are built for protecting the quarterback. But as far as I'm concerned, sure, the quarterback might be getting the most money, but no position should be treated any differently. No position deserves yeah. special treatment than I, the others here. I am. I tend to I agree so, with you, especially. Let me finish. Let me finish here. You're right. I'm sorry. I got time here, Bo. Hold on a sec. Uh, I mean, let these these quarterbacks should be treated no different and get no special treatment just because they have the highest salaries as is. I mean, I'm here to see a team play. I'm here to see the football game. I'm not there to see one individual guy here. To me, that's ridiculous. 
Yeah, I agreed. I think the biggest argument for let's not treat these guys specially has to also do, well, we don't ever talk about offensive and defensive linemen who are in physicality on every single snap of the ball. Yes. And that, to me, is minimizing their risk. And if you look at a lot of CTE stuff, those are the guys who get it in a higher percentage. We don't talk about that, but it's because the game is marketed. I mean, let's talk about the Tua game. When Tua, when Tua Tagovailoa got hurt, the second concussion, it's because that game was marketed as Tua versus Burrow. You know, this past week we had, you know, uh, when we had these primetime games, you know, we had this past Sunday night, Joe Burrow versus Lamar Jackson. It's not Cincinnati versus Baltimore. And that's too bad, but that's how they market this. And so the league is saying, well, these guys are the face of the league. We've got to protect them because they don't want to get those guys hurt and be out for a season. I get it. I'm also, frankly, on a whole other subject thinking that two-thirds of the league is probably playing the game wrong being too dependent on quarterbacks that really aren't franchise quarterbacks. We talk about it all the time. Like we have our rule, you know, the DAC rule now. You know, if you don't have this or better, you're probably not a Super Bowl contender. You know, but I look at it and go, wow, you know, why are you playing a certain way? And everyone's trying to play a certain way, no matter who that quarterback is. Dallas didn't change up their offense because they put Cooper Rush in. I mean, if you if if Patrick Mahomes got hurt, God forbid, this week, they're not going to change up the offense much. Uh, granted, no backup they have is going to do what Mahomes does, but they're not just going to start a new offense. Right. So to me, it bothers me that they have special rules for quarterbacks because we've got just as many players get injured in the line of scrimmage. I mean, look. Trent Williams, the 49ers, just got hurt and is out. Is he out for the season now? I'm not – I can't – not exactly. Yeah. But he might be the one of the best three or four football players in the entire league. He, to me, he's the best left tackle in the last 15 years. It's hardly ever that the best actual football player is a quarterback. But because of the name value and the way they promote the league, we actually have to do it that way. But that's – we're protecting one class of people instead of everybody. Right. And I, and I don't like that it's also sort of a – well, we're supposed to have a system, but the system only applies when they want to apply the system. It would be – okay, we always compare football to real life, right? It would be like if we said, hey, look, the most valuable individuals are between ages 25 and 32. And these laws do not apply to the people in that age range that are also physically fit and in shape and make $200,000. If you meet all those criteria, then the laws, these laws don't apply to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the way you're looking at it, it's classism. Yeah. And I, I, just, I have a real problem. I also have a problem with changing rules in the middle of the season. Yes. I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to protect their ratings, trying to protect their, their biggest players. You know, and what happened to two attack of Iloa was awful. 
And there's blame to be shifted around to a lot of people, to the Miami Dolphins, to the NFL, to even Tua himself. But in the end, we can't legislate safety 100% of the time. Right. It's football. It's football. You know, I know know Triton got in a lot of trouble when he said, you need to take the dresses off. But is he wrong? No. He's not. I mean, I you may not like the verbiage of that, but it it's a great alliteration of the point. The people that got mad about that comment too were not even watching the football game. It was that yeah, I agree with everyone you. knows the faction of crowd that got mad at that. Those aren't football fans. People yeah, that were watching the game knew exactly what he was trying to say. Yeah, I mean, it, it was I think it's a great alliteration of what he was trying to say. And I think that sometimes we get caught up in that as a society. But I, I yes, they do need to take the dresses off and let these guys play. And if someone's gonna get hurt, damn it, someone's gonna get hurt. I mean, but you know what you signed up for when it came to getting hurt? It's been going on for you know a hundred years. We've been playing yeah. this game. People get hurt. I don't like it at all either. And I don't like some of these guys don't. They have to get, put themselves at extra risk because of the money or because of the situation. And I don't care for that either. But let's put the means to put the best means in we can to support them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of other uh, primetime games this past week, uh, Russell Wilson again dropped another egg and looked horrible. I mean, if he wasn't getting paid $50 million a year and his name wasn't Russell Wilson, he'd be benched right now. Um, is he washed? Is he done? Is he ever going to turn this around? Or is he just going through a phase right now? What do you think about the situation Russell Wilson's in at Denver? I, okay, I think this is a twofold situation. And I talked about this on my podcast. I think, first off, there's a lot of blame to go around. Russell has not played well. Nathaniel Hackett is a disaster as the coach. Now, let's be real blunt. How did Nathaniel Hackett get this job? He got this job because he was Aaron Rodgers' offensive coordinator, and the belief was that if he went, Nathaniel Hackett went to Denver, that they would make a trade and Rodgers would come with him. Am I wrong? You're right. Now. Broncos get Nathaniel Hackett. They apparently can't make a deal with the Packers. Uh, Rodgers doesn't force his way over, which all it really took was for Rodgers to force his way over. He chose not to do that. And when that happened, um, Denver had to go and find a quarterback because they didn't have one in-house they liked. Well, in theory, the next best available quarterback is Russell Wilson. The guy's been a talented player. But he's been a talented player in a system where you've had a good defense, where they've been the most successful, in a superior run game, whether that was with Marshawn Lynch or with their committee and a good offensive line. And then it's also been in an offense where Russell Wilson hasn't had to be extremely accurate with his passing. I make fun of his deep ball that he throws, and it looks like a it looks like a, like, like a balloon coming out. And, 
you know, the receivers run up under. That's not what Nathaniel Hackett's offense is. It's not what he's run with Aaron Rodgers for the last four years. It's not what he's comfortable with. Russell Wilson doesn't have the arm accuracy that Nathaniel Hackett wants. Nathaniel Hackett doesn't have the offensive pedigree to be able to change and tweak the offense to put his quarterback in that he has. And in the end, we're going to have a fight between a quarterback who's got a quarter-billion-dollar contract and a coach on a three-year deal. You tell me who's going to win this argument. Russell Wilson's going to win the argument. Daniel Hackett will be out at the end of the season unless something very big happens in the next 10 weeks. Also, my other arguments on Nathaniel Hackett. Yes, he was in Green Bay. He was the quarterback's coach and the OC for the last four years. But who was the play caller there? Wasn't it uh, uh, Matt LaFleur? Yeah. That was Matt LaFleur. Yeah. So we've got a a head coach now who was an offensive coordinator who never called plays in the NFL. He never really game plan. That was LaFleur with a, with a, with a quarterback that doesn't fit his system in a new place where he's now got to manage the game, make all the offensive play calls because he refused to hand it, play calling off to somebody else. This coach is a big part of it, and it's the whole system. It's the whole thing. And in the end, you can argue, well, Denver would be better with a different quarterback. They absolutely would. But you could also argue that Russell Wilson would be better with a different system. And in the end, when it comes down to it, the money's going to talk and the quarterback is going to be more important. It's going to change it. We're going to have a new coach there. And that's what I think is going to happen. Russell Wilson will remain. Hackett will be gone. That team's going to win six games. And they'll be figuring out a whole new system for 2023. But even with that said, the blame goes around to everybody. Even with that said, Bo, of the blame game of, you know, hey, Nathaniel Hackett sucks and Russell Wilson's not playing good and all this. Is Russell Wilson salvageable? Is he fixable? Can the right coach come in next year or whatever and and ride the ship out and turn it around? Or is Russ done? I look, Russ has never been a real high. Um, athletic quarterback. When I mean athletic, he's never been a great arm, great decision maker. He's had some really good pieces around him. Marshawn Lynch, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. I mean, it's been very helpful. Uh, You know, having Pete Carroll as his head coach all these years has been great. It's limited Russell and what he's had to do. I think now it's a matter of, I don't know that he's washed because I don't know that if the starting point was very much higher than he actually physically is now. He's not as good as he has been, that's for sure. But I don't know if his starting point of where he started physically is very comparatively worse than where he is today. It's just a whole different situation. I don't know. I think that if you were going to, If I was to take Russell Wilson on a team, you would have to get a different system, a different coach that understands what he can and can't do. You know a good pairing for Russell Wilson would be right now? Oh. Sean Payton. Sean Payton. Yeah. 
Denver and doesn't the have the theme. draft capital to make a move for Sean Payton, though. They don't. They're going to have it because, I mean, we, I, I think I know where he's going to end up anyway. But, I mean, that would be a good fit, a guy who's had undersized quarterbacks. I mean, Drew Brees never had a great arm. And neither does Russell Wilson. So it's a matter of how do you make this guy better? And, and you know, I know it's out there. Russell Wilson, they say he's corny, you know, this and that. And even in the press game, the post-game press conference, when they lost, he's going, Broncos country, let's ride. I I just don't get Russell Wilson. I He is not my guy. I don't give him full blame on this. But I think he's going to have to expand his arsenal, what he can do if he's going to get any better than he is now, physically. Yeah. And that's hard to do in his well, age Well, and we've seen guys that won Super Bowls, that went to Pro Bowls and, you know, hit that wall earlier. I mean, yeah. Joe Flacco he's, wasn't too long ago where he was, you know, playing at a decent level and then hit a wall fast. Yeah. I mean. Have you yeah. – have you ever looked at Russell Wilson, even all these years, and he's been good. He's been really good. He's been a pro bowler. He's, he's won a Super Bowl. But have you ever looked at Russell Wilson and went, yeah, that's the dude? No. I never have either. He's never he, been the best player on his team, and he's never been the best offensive player on his team. He might be an, another Joe Flacco in that sense. Yeah. Had, you know, I look at it, done, like, had a few good runs and then hit a wall and can't recover. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, it's, I mean, we've seen Flacco, we've seen Kaepernick, we've seen a number of guys that hit that wall and couldn't bounce back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I some things I like about the way he plays, some things I really don't like. I don't like his arm strength at all. Yeah. I don't like how he throws the football at all. Um, shifting gears now, you mentioned uh, Sean yeah. Payton. Could he be the next head coach of the Carolina Panthers? Uh, what do you think about the decision by the Panthers to fire Matt Rule this week? Well, I think that was something that the Panthers had to do now. I mean, they got fans chanting fire, <laughs> fire Matt Rule at the game. Um, I mean, it was we knew going in he was the guy with the shortest leash. And we talked just a few weeks ago when they got Baker Mayfield that it was this whole franchise, all this coaching staff, it was Baker or nothing. And I mean, most coaches are lucky to get one quarterback. He had three shots at it and got mm -hmm. it wrong three times. Yeah, I just think that he knew he wasn't going to get it. And you know what? Matt Rule got paid a bunch of money to leave. He's going to pocket a bunch of money. And he's going to go back to college, whether it's next year or the year after. He's going to get a decent job, and he's going to do a good job. But – I think the Panthers are, I mean, they're in complete rebuild mode. I mean, we've already heard rumors about you know, possibly trading DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey and some other players in that team. Unbelievable what could happen. And I think that's, I, I, I don't think that's the landing spot for Sean Payton. I'll tell you the reason why it's the rebuild. Sean Payton's not going anywhere where they're not somewhat ready to win. That's why he left New Orleans. Right. He didn't leave New Orleans because he was tired of football. He didn't want he left New Orleans because he didn't really want Jameis and he didn't want to do a rebuild for Drew Brees left. Right. He's not going to Carolina. I, I still think that the Cowboys are going to blow it by the end of the season and Sean Payton is the next coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Right. Um 
with uh, with Matt Rule, you mentioned him going back to college and everything. Um, there's so many good jobs out there right now already, besides more that could potentially open up, like Auburn, whatever. Um, do you think there's any chance? This is what I wonder with Rule. You know, he can enjoy that buyout money and sit out in the sun and all that. But if he doesn't take a job now, is there a chance he gets – forgotten about kind of gets lost in the fray i mean you almost kind of you can't wait you can't be sitting on the sidelines too long can you you know it's a great question i wonder i think that he was so good at baylor and what he did there and their yeah, turnaround and yeah I, I think that even if he took 2023 off he'd be fine um but it, he was not gonna sit out till 2025 or 2026 no i agree with you're saying there Maybe he waits for the right spot. I don't know what that would be for him. Um, I just don't know if it's about his background, where he's from, that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of good, good jobs that are going to be that are already open or going to be open as the merry-go-round goes around in college. Matt Rule's probably going to end up with one of those jobs if he wants one. And I don't know. I, I think that. I think if he again, if he wants one, he'll get it. If not, 2023, 2024, he'll get it. The great point you bring up about will he will he drop off and no one remember him? No, he did too well in two big recovery projects that someone's gonna be willing to pay him. Okay. I think Auburn might be a really good spot for him, honestly. Uh let's move on here, talk here college football now. Um the uh, ACC commissioner this week uh, came out and said there's a lot of push to expand the playoff to 12 by 2024. The contract right now would put them in position to do so in 26. Um, what do you think? Can they – I mean, they all agreed on 12. The number's there. Can uh, – can all these power brokers, can these egos all come together and get that done by 2024? That seems like a short amount of time. Yeah, the money's right. I mean, that's, that's what's going to come down to. How do we get how do we get the most money? Because that's what's going to be the deal. This is from, from what my understanding is here, Bo, and that's where the money thing, it doesn't sound like an easy answer either. So yeah, I agree. They uh if they go to 24 and expand, then they're required to sign an exclusive contract extension with ESPN at ESPN's asking price, whatever that may be. If they wait till 26, then they can go to market, maximize on money, have multiple TV partners, et cetera. So it's one of those, the classic business model choice of, do you take the short-term gain or do you go with the long-term reward, right? Yeah. Well, I, I think it's going to all really kind of come down to three conferences. It's going to come down to what happens with the ACC, the Big 12, and the uh, Pac-12 as far as where they remain with, with, member, with member groups next season. You know, where are they going to be and then what kind of stroke are they going to have as the ACC and the – I'm sorry, the – Big 12 and the Pac-12 currently negotiating with ESPN on extensions. Right. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I wonder if, if they can move it up to 2024, 
how long do they have to kick it into for ESPN? How long does ESPN get to exclusively have it? Do they get to negotiate? Does that give them exclusive rights till 2026, till 2030? You know, that's the algebra in which they're going to have to, the, these commissioners are going to have to sit down and figure out. Because if it's about, if ESPN gets the exclusive rights, they have them for the first two years of 2024, if it's moved up, and ESPN can pay them enough, and that extension goes with a couple of extra years to 2028 or even 2030, then I think you do it. But if it's a 10-year extension, no, you wait till 2026 and let everybody bid because then what you really want, you want Amazon to start bidding on this because the market numbers are going to go up. Right. Not necessarily even saying you take the deal from Amazon, but just to drive the number. No, it's going to drive the number. Exactly. It's going to drive the number up. And that's exactly what the Big Ten just did. The Big Ten just used Amazon to get a boatload of money from everybody else. And they're using them again if they do this, if they do this expansion of the league. Yeah, I, um, but I think that's where you have to start doing the calculations and going, okay, what do we think we're going to get now? What do we get in hand? And what do we think Amazon would come in for? Yeah. Because Amazon will put out money. If Amazon's spending a billion a year on Thursday night football, what would they spend for the college football playoff? Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, Bo, also, let, let me ask you, uh, Oklahoma lost their uh, their third straight. And we're just talking to Bill Haston about it. He said that that roster was so depleted that any head coach was going to have to struggle, was going to struggle, and that it didn't speak on Brent Venables. He, he didn't put any blame towards Brent. But, I mean – the, the performance I saw on some of the decision-making there on Saturday, I still think to myself here, okay, I mean, I think that's true for a lot of what Bill talked about earlier, and I respect Bill's opinion and everything, but, I mean, there were some boneheaded decisions that he made and that coaching staff made that still had me pause for a second. I mean, as much as they ran the Wildcat and all that stuff there, I mean – there's no reason why Oklahoma should have been shut out last week. Let's put it that way. I mean, yes, yeah. that coaching staff had may, you know, they still that team, that program has a ways to go in this rebuild project, but there's no reason to get embarrassed 49 to nothing like that. I, I agree. And, and again, Bill is certainly closer to OU than I am. I mean, you're closer to OU than I am as well. But what I can say is this that's embarrassing. And it's not well. The cupboard was 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 empty. Yes, they lost they lost a big chunk of the staff. They lose their best, best the quarterback. They lose Lincoln Riley. I get that, but to lose to go from if you're Oklahoma, okay, and you're going to lose forty nine to nothing to Texas. That's some John Blake shit. Let's be clear. I mean, that's how bad this is. Um, that's not a matter of the cupboards are bare, but it's not just that loss. 55 to 24 to TCU. I mean, that wasn't competitive at any point. They lose the K-State 
41-34. Yeah, they scored 34, but Kansas State. I'm looking. I'm gonna pull this up real quick. I want to look at their schedule because I'm, I'm I'm almost sure I'm right about this. Is that the most points? That's the most points K State scored all season. It, it's not like you, you they are they're just on the cusp of pulling something off, or maybe they're they're playing hard but they're being competitive. They're not even competitive. Oklahoma is at this point. Look, it's going to be real bad if Kansas goes in there and beats them. And I know Oklahoma's a nine-point favorite. I don't know why. I mean, I, I guess it has more to do with Jalen Daniels being hurt than but anything else. Even then, else. Jason Bean played good last week. Yeah, he, he threw for four touchdowns in the second half. He's a good quarterback. I, yeah, he's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. He's a good quarterback. And, and he'll be solid enough. But if OU doesn't play well this week, if they're not competitive, I mean, even if they win, they may not be competitive. They got Iowa State and Baylor coming up after these two after this game. Hey, man, they, they better get it together quick, or they may not go to a bowl game. Bo, Bo O'Connor, who's going to Arlington? Who's in the Big 12 championship right now in your mind? Uh, I would say Oklahoma State for sure. I, I I think Oklahoma State's really good. Taking I want to right, look at something real quick, but I would my my brain tells me that it's going to be Oklahoma State. And in the beginning of the year, I thought Oklahoma State and Baylor. I think right now, I would take Oklahoma State and either TCU or Texas. I got Oklahoma State and Texas right now. And I think that I, and I don't know the schedule. I have to see how those schedules line up for those two teams. Um, you know, a lot of it depends on how TCU plays against Oklahoma State. But I think Oklahoma State's going to go undefeated in the Big 12. I think Oklahoma oh. State's going to go to the college football playoff. Oh, huh. that, I, well, they're going to win. They're going to win the conference. They're going to be undefeated. They're going to win the conference. They drive to Lawrence and jack you off. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, look at it this way. If you win the Big 12 and you're undefeated, that's a that's a that's a that's a four spot. You know that you know that either Michigan or Ohio State's catching an L, and you know that either Georgia or Alabama's catching an L because they're playing each other. I just think Oklahoma. So what team are you going to move ahead of them? I mean, in the end, it's going to be the SEC champion, the Big Ten champion, and either an undefeated Big Twelve champion, Clemson, if Clemson's undefeated. Or if USC could win the Pac-12 as an undefeated team. And they've got Utah this week. We'll see how they do in that game. That's the five teams. That's five. Four of those five. Or seven. And I'm apt to believe that USC is USC's dropping a game between now and then. I think, I think OSU is a one-loss Big 12 championship winner. And I think they lose this weekend, or I think they lose to Texas. And I think that's it, where you – I mean, you look at that Texas team, for example, guys. Should have beat Alabama and should have beat Texas Tech. If viewers plays both those games, they win. Texas should be undefeated right now. I mean, they, they, to be honest, and they should. And that's, but to be fair, that's why we play them. That's yeah. why we play and them. And if Oklahoma State – Quinn Ewers has to come to Stillwater. I wish that was a night game, and that is a two thirty kick. 
like I said, I think it'll end that night, though. It'll be dark by the, at the end of the game. Oh, I mean that. Yeah, that's fair, and I, I think it'll be hyped. Like, let, let's get real. Like, that's hope. That's Hoko. That's homecoming in Stillwater. But with that being said, OSU has a uh, a predominantly their win factor in Austin is pretty high, but at the same time, Texas somehow gets the better of them in Stillwater most of the time. Most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time. Um, but in, you know, with that said, if OSU beats TCU, I I wouldn't be shocked. Like they have to drop one game. Like Oklahoma State is not going, and I, I look. I'm the biggest Oklahoma State fan besides maybe Billy Locke that you know. And I'm here to say that OSU is going to drop one game. It's going to happen. What game is that going to be? Is it going to be this weekend? Is it going to be – are they going to win this weekend and drop it to Texas? Are they going to lose to Kansas State and Manhattan? I I, got to tell you, one, I don't think Kansas State's very good. I, I just don't. Um, They're not the best, but that's a trap game. It, well, well, I don't know. I mean, look, if Oklahoma State beats TCU and Texas in the next two weeks, they then go to K-State, to Kansas. They have Iowa State at home, at OU, and West Virginia. Look, that's five wins in a row. Hey, if, there's, if they get out, no if they game get out October, if they'll if they get out of October undefeated, they're not going to lose a game. I, I think if they get through the next two weeks, they're – now, for Texas to get there, Texas is going to have to – Texas' schedules. I mean, this was – I pulled it up. It's it's rough. I mean, Texas yeah. schedule is – They got to play some – they got to play some beaters. They got to they got Oklahoma State in two weeks. They got to go to K-State, just like Oklahoma State does. But then they got – they still have TCU. They got to go at Kansas, who's hit, beat them three times in a row or twice in a row. And then they end with Baylor. Aranda's not a bad coach. They're going to keep that team close. The fact that Oklahoma State beat Baylor, to me, was a huge deal. Here's what you have to keep in mind with Oklahoma State, which which is hard to project on this this schedule of where the loss, if they lose, where it comes from, is based on the track record the last several years, you can count on there's going to be at least one Spencer Sanders let down game. I don't know if that game is this week against TCU. I don't know if it's going to be, let's say, Texas Tech, but then they rally and everything's okay. It doesn't matter if he has that let down game. It, for, for me, that's what I'm looking at for Oklahoma State is, I don't know when the Spencer let down game is going to happen. It will happen. And does it fall in a position where everybody else rallies around them and they still win anyway? Or do they end up against a very good team and he, he makes too many mistakes and they lose? To me, that's what I look for in that Oklahoma State team. As well, far as let me ask the lost. question that way then. Was that game each of the last two weeks? Because Oklahoma State came out, I mean, last week against Texas Tech, Texas Tech really was taking it to them early. And then in that Baylor game, there was a little bit of a, a part of that Baylor game where Oklahoma State didn't look great. He hasn't they, had the four-interception game yet that he had uh, in the Big 12 title game last year. Yeah, I, I just tend to think that – Because he's matured, he's not going to have a four-interception game again. I don't think so either. I just I, – I think that the 
Now, what? You know that for sure. You're gonna have, they're going to have to beat Texas twice. I'd put and money. Get, doesn't have a four interception game. Yeah, I, I, I tend to think that this that Oklahoma State is the better team, and and I, I, you know, again, I was on Baylor early in the year, but when Oklahoma State beat Baylor, and they really beat them, and they beat them up. And Oklahoma State can play; they can play defense, and they can score points. I I, I think they're the one of those five teams. Again, I think it's five teams. Right. I think there's three teams better than everybody. I mean, I think Georgia, um, Alabama, and Ohio State are the three best teams in the country. Personally, I think Ohio State's the best team in the country right now. And I can argue that Georgia and Alabama are just as good, if not better. But they're going to play each other in the SEC championship game. Michigan is right number four right now. They got to play Ohio State at the end of the season. And then you got Clemson in a dog shit league, and they still don't look good. I mean, they're barely beating teams they should be beating up. I think that Oklahoma State, when it's all said and done, is going to have a better looking resume than Clemson if they're undefeated. Now, one loss drops them completely out of this whole thing to me. You can't be a one-loss team to get in the playoff. But, I mean, you can if you're Alabama. But if you're Oklahoma State, you've got to win them all. This might be that, that time. The rest of the league, the, the hard game is out of the way, the most difficult one, I thought. And these next two are difficult, and you're probably going to have to play Texas or TCU again. But, again, I, I neither of those two teams are world beaters. Yeah. And right. I, I just don't we go. see it. Let's wrap yeah. up on this real quick. You mentioned Alabama and Georgia. Um, that you think Ohio State's the best team in the country. Vegas agrees, too. They're the title favorites right now. Uh, yeah. Who do you like more, Alabama or Georgia? Both teams have shown some vulnerability here. Okay. It comes down to me to one thing and one thing only as quarterback play. Bryce Young is healthy. I'll take Alabama versus Georgia. I also I just Stetson Bennett beat Bryce Young before. Yeah, but I also don't think that Stetson Bennett's that good a quarterback. I just I think we saw that last year. We saw Georgia took it to him last year, but it wasn't a Stetson Bennett's going to go out there and win the game for them. Uh, Georgia's team made he really, in the title game. He, he he he's not that good a player. I mean he. Look, Stetson Bennett's maybe the fourth best quarterback in the SEC. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, we've already talked about Will Levis. Uh, Will Levis. Right. Um, I'll take him. I'll take Hooker. And Texas, too, uh, Tennessee yeah. ahead of me. I'll take Bryce Young. I mean, he does maybe everything that's asked him. For? What's that? He does everything that's asked of him. He does. They don't. That's the thing. They don't ask him to do too much. But if you look at what this is, what it impresses me about Bryce about about Bryce Young is they get into the game against Texas, and at the end of the game, was there any doubt when Alabama got the ball back down they were going to win that game? No, there wasn't. It's the same thing as if you watch the Chiefs game on Monday night. Was there any doubt that the Chiefs were going to lose that game or win that game? There was no doubt they were going to win. Even at halftime, down 10, did you think the Chiefs were going to lose? No. I didn't either. 
down 17, I placed a $100 bet they were going to win outright. It's because I like that. I mean, that's, you just know. And I just have that feeling with Stetson. He can't go out there and make those kind of plays. Bryce Young can't. And that's what it might come down to is the X factor of the one player, of the quarterback, in a big game, in a big situation. And the only times that Bama has been beaten in those situations in the last decade has been an outstanding Georgia defense. Last year's Georgia defense might be the best defense I've ever seen in college football. And the only other team that got them that bad had Joe Burrow in that outstanding LSU team. I mean, that was the difference in that game, was that Burrow played better than Tua. Right. I mean, that's that's why I, if I had to choose, I'll take Bama. But it's going to come down to – the whole playoff is going to come down to these, those five situations. The Georgia-Alabama Georgia, game, because they're both going to be undefeated. Ohio State-Michigan, can Oklahoma State go undefeated? Can USC go undefeated? I don't know if there's a better second-half team in, in the country than USC is. Yeah. The USC can't play, any, can't play any offense in the first half. Well, I'll say this about Ben. I'll, I'll end on this real quick. Then we got to go. Um, to me, Stetson Bennett to Georgia is what A.J. McCarron was to Alabama. He is not going to throw 40, 50 times a game. But if you need him to make a play, he's he's proven he can make the necessary plays, that he can make the throws. He'll do what's asked of him. And and that's they don't need him to be a guy that's slinging it 40, 50 times a game. To me, that's where I give Bennett credit when he was he was clutch as hell in that national title game last year. He was awesome. He may have, you know, it seemed like there was no chance of him getting drafted at this point a year ago. Now he might end up finding himself getting his name called in April now. He might. I mean, he'd be a I think McCarran is a really good comparison. But if you look at when McCarran left Alabama, what happened? When they knew the difference at that point, when A.J. McCarron left Alabama, it was, okay, we've got to start getting quarterbacks because teams are going to score points. Well, that's not true. They won after that with Jake Coker and Blake Sims. No. When when McCarron left, they went. It was McCarron, then it was Jake Coker, then it was Blake Sims. Then it was Jalen and Tua. Has it been that long since McCarron? Yes. Okay, then it was after Sims and Coker where they decided right. we got to have to have these pro quarterbacks. But, yeah, I mean, you, you, you're you going to have to – we're at the point now to be that team in the SEC. You're going to have to have that guy. Why has Texas got Quinn Ewers? Why is it so important to get Quinn Ewers and now Arch Manning for next year? Because they know to be that team in the SEC, you got to have that guy. See, I, I'm that's where I disagree. Is that, I mean, it certainly doesn't hurt to have that guy, but that doesn't mean it's game over. I'm not counting Georgia out because they don't have that guy. Well, I'm not counting them out either. I'm saying if I had to choose one again, those are the top three teams. I mean, yeah. Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. Let's let's be real clear when I say that. I'm not discounting either of them. I'm saying that those three teams are better than everybody else. Right. 
Like, there's nobody in their class, as far as I'm concerned. There is a significant drop-off after those three. And on a given day, yes, Georgia can beat Alabama. And yes, Bama can beat Georgia. And yes, Ohio State could beat either of them. And yes, either of them could beat Ohio State. In the end, I would take the team with a healthy Bryce Young or a healthy C.J. Stroud. That's fair. Okay, yeah. I mean, that, look, I want to be clear about that. I, I'm not saying that I discount Georgia at all. I'm just saying that I, I got to go with that better player that I know can make significant plays more than just once. Yeah. We've seen Stetson Bennett do it. We've seen Bryce Young do it. C.J. Stroud's pretty awesome. Um, I mean, to me, if I was an NFL team, C.J. Stroud's the guy I'd go for. Yeah, I agree. But I, I think it is three teams – one of those three is your national champion. We're going to see two of them in the national championship game. Doesn't matter which two. I think it's going to be Oklahoma. I think it's going to be Ohio State and Alabama when it's all said and done. It, it reminds me of several years ago when LSU won the title and your final four that year was LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, I think, and Oklahoma. Oklahoma. And Oklahoma was the clear outlier of the three. Yeah. Awful compared to those other three. Yeah. This year. Yeah, they got beat by, yeah, got beat by 40 in that game. Whoever your four team is, whether that's a Michigan or an Oklahoma State or Clemson or whoever, I mean, they're not going to hang with the other three. I can tell you that. No, right I, I, I tend to agree with you. The only chance a team has got is, man, I, I'm not sold on Michigan, but if Michigan can beat Ohio State, then you eliminate Ohio State. If let's say Georgia be beats hard for Michigan Alabama, to win in Columbus this year. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a lot to ask. It's a lot to ask. Um, and if that happens, then you're going to have a Michigan team go to that playoff instead of Ohio State, and then you're going to be sitting there with, say, it was Michigan or Georgia or Alabama. I tell you what, JJ McCarthy can be that guy though. He's good. What's that? JJ McCarthy can be in that elite class of quarterback. He's on I, 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 I see an improvement. I, I haven't seen enough of them yet. I, I gotta, I guess it's where I gotta go is I gotta watch more of them. Yeah. Michigan. He can't be. He's so not there yet, but he could be by the end yeah. of the year. Yeah. yeah. The last two weeks, Michigan's come out really slow in games, but they, they turn it on late. And, and I, I have watched a lot of USC in the last month. And I got, I don't think anyone's better than they are in the second half. They just, it doesn't matter how many points they're down, they're going to come back and win the game. And they've been, they've been, and they got the quarterback and Caleb Williams. Yeah. They do. The problem is that they're going to run into a team that's going to put them in too big a hole at some point. That might be Utah this week. Yeah. So it, might be, it might be UCLA at the end of the season. Check them out on Counter Advisor Group, OHGCast.com, counteradvisorgroup.com, Coach Bo knows podcast as well. Bo, we got to go. Thanks for joining us, my friend. Yeah. Thank you guys. Have a good week. <laughs> Final segment before we go. It's our Tom Fulry story of the week. Thomas Bridges tells us something happening that is very ridiculous in the world. Tom, where shall we go to this time? Jones, we are going to the great state of Texas, or maybe rather outside of it. Jones, I have a question for you. I'm a big chef in the kitchen, right? I like to lay down. Uh, I like to lay down a hot ass meal in the kitchen. I, I like to I like to get busy in the kitchen and I like to drink beer in the kitchen. Um, 
And I know maybe some of the time I might have inspired you to do the same. You know, you've seen me in the kitchen. You've had my Andy Reid mac and cheese. You know how I lay it down in the kitchen. Um, and a lot of the meals that I make, I use a lot of hot sauce. I, lo- I love to incorporate hot sauce any way that I can. Um, any number of ways and, and any number of hot sauces. And I have my favorite hot sauces. I have two for two specific different things. And this is, these are two hot sauces that are they're very generic, very you can get in stores, and they're very cheap. Um, but they give off flavor profiles when you put them into different things that, that make the whole difference in the wide world. That would be Louisiana hot sauce and crystal hot sauce. Um, both, from what I understand, based out of the state of Louisiana. Jones, this week, we are going to Texas, where a hot sauce called Texas Pete would be from the state, you would assume, where you reside. Jones, do you have a favorite hot sauce? Uh, I'm not a fan of hot sauce, personally. I don't like spicy stuff, uh, but... You know, if, if I had to use, choose, you know, something that I can handle, something that I'd every once in a while, I guess Tabasco. Okay. I can get down with that. I can get down with some Tabasco pepper sauce, 100%. Um, I should probably honestly use that more. They have a green kind that, that I get down with 100%. Um, a little bit more bold, a little bit more vinegary, and a little bit more punch to it, honestly. Um, Tabasco does. So I can get down with that. Well, Jones, this week, this comes from Cron.com, C-H-R-O-N.com. And this is under news slash Houston and Texas. And we're talking about hot sauce this week. Man sues Texas Pete. If you've had Texas Pete hot sauce, I know you said you're not a big fan of the spicy stuff. A lot of people use Texas Pete. Uh, a lot of people claim that Texas Pete is better than Louisiana hot sauce, and they're just absolutely wrong. Texas Pete, for one, is trash. And when I learned this, this story, I said, yeah, okay, I'm justified in this. Texas Pete is trash. Man sues Texas Pete, the hot sauce, after learning that hot sauce is actually not made in Texas. Um little underwriting here, a little footnote. The condiment actually originated at a North Carolina barbecue restaurant in 1929. This is by Ariana Garcia of Cron, and this is, comes out of October 10th. Texas Pete Jones is in every research that I've been to in, in Tulsa, and I can guarantee you Texas Pete is probably in every whatever generic, I don't know, Texas grocery store that's not Walmart. Um, and it gets better. Another footnote. A California man is suing North Carolina-based TDW or TW Garner Food Co. over its branding of Texas Pete original hot sauce, alleging the product misleads its customers into believing is a product of the Lone Star State. Turns out Texas Pete isn't as Texan as the some might believe. A Los Angeles man has filed a class action lawsuit accusing Winston-Salem-based TW Garner Food of false advertising after learning that it's Texas Pete hot sauce is made in North Carolina, not the Lone Star State. As reported by North Carolina news station 
WGHP-TV in September 21, Philip White purchased a $3 bottle of Texas Pete, which has a label featuring a cowboy and what court documents describe as a stereotypical white Texas Lone Star reminiscent of the Texas state flag at a Ralph's grocery store in Los Angeles, California. The suit states that it, that White made the purchase while relying upon the language and images displayed upon the front label of the product, and at the time of purchase understood the product to be a Texas product, according to the complaint. There is a surprisingly there is surprisingly nothing Texas about them, it continues. The complaint also alleges that the ingredients of the Louisiana-style hot sauce come from the sources outside of Texas. The hot sauce invented by North Carolina man named Sam Gardner actually originated at Winston-Salem Barbecue Restaurant in 1929. The page cites a December 5, 2013 article from the Triad Business Journal that reads, With a name like Texas Pete, one would think the famed hot sauce is manufactured somewhere in the Lone Star State. Article continues, according to the Texas Pete About page, Garner and his sons were thinking of what to name their hot sauce. A marketing advisor recommended the moniker Mexican Joe in order to connotate the flavor reminiscent of the favorite foods of our neighbors to the south. Nope, it's got to have an American name, the website claims Garner had said in a response. Sam suggested they move across the border to Texas, which also has a reputation for spicy cuisine. He then glanced at his son, Harold, who nickname was Pete, and the Texas Pete Cowboy was born. In the suit, White claims that he had known the hot sauce wasn't made in Texas. He wouldn't have bought it. By representing that it's Texas Pete brand hot sauce products are Texas products, when they are not, um, old boy from L.A., is, he said he's cheated his way to a market-leading position in the $3 billion hot sauce industry at the expense of law-abiding competitors and consumers nationwide who desire authentic Texas hot sauce and reasonably, but incorrectly, believe that that's what they are getting when they purchase Texas Pete. Jones, I really don't give a shit where the hot sauce comes from. If it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. It doesn't matter if it's made in North Carolina. It doesn't matter if it's made in Texas. I don't care if it's made in my toilet. If it's good, it's good. Right. And, and to your fact, you said Tabasco, which is one of the main hot sauces of all time. You know, Tabasco is more relevant in terms of a hot sauce brand. Probably a little bit more relevant than Louisiana hot sauce is because you will find Tabasco in almost every breakfast joint in America. Doesn't matter where it's at. So I appreciate the Tabasco deal. I appreciate that vote. My choice is Louisiana. You'll never find my fridge without it. <laughs> and if, if Crystal was a little bit more relevant here in Oklahoma, I would have more Crystal. Um, but Louisiana, you can get anywhere and it's cheap and it's the best. Um, in terms of a flavorful hot sauce, maybe not so much more of a punch in the mouth. I also like Ch- Cholula. Especially on eggs, especially on breakfast items. Cholula cannot be beat. Tapatio, also great. Tapatio Black, one of the best. Um, Texas Pete. This guy, this guy is as bad as the guy trying to get the bag against Devontae Adams. 
You cannot claim a lawsuit over something that you didn't read the fucking ingredients on. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I could call something in Oklahoma. I could call it. There's a lot of things I could call not from Oklahoma that are could be made in Oklahoma. I could call it, you know, I could make, you know, I could. Here, here's the deal. Here, here's what you could do. It would be like, Jones, you want to take your chat sports shit to another level. And you say, okay, well, any Seahawk bar around here, I, I Tyler Jones, made a block bowl. And so now we're going to make a shot that is made in a, a pocket shot form that you can buy in stores and you know let's say you called up the sea chickens and put their licensing brand on it and they got the seahawks logo on on something that is is bottled in a pocket shot and called the hawk shot okay you know some seattle bloke thinks oh okay that must be made in seattle or washington state and then, oh, I'm going to drink 1,500 hawk shots and then tries to sue you for making it when you've never when you've never even been to a sea chicken game. Um, <laughs> you know? Right. Like in, you can't sue somebody for that. Right. Like, get the fuck out of here. No. <laughs> you can't do that. I can get why you'd be mad and, and you know. It would be, it you know, would be the DJ Khaled. Congrats, you played yourself. Right? It's like, well, read the damn ingredients. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, there's nothing more ironic, Tom. Like, I'll take that to another level. Then, you know, when, when I see people selling, like, patriotic products or whatever, and then you look at the label and it says made in China. Yeah, it's like, get a grip. <laughs> like, are you through China? For making the American flag that she just bought, right? Like, <laughs> no, you can't do that. If it if it's labeled on the deal, then they haven't misled you, right? You know, they could name it. You know, you could get MAGA sauce, and you know, it could it could have a picture of, you know, the sauce coming from Trump's asshole. And then you, you'd end up finding out that, well, no, just kidding. It uh, it actually came from it actually came from China, and you can't you can't sue anybody for that if it's labeled on the bottle. It's right there for you to read. If you didn't read the label and you still bought it, well, that's on you, my friend. Right. If the information is there, they didn't hide anything from you. The bottle says T W Garner. Out of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. If well, that's like, what it says on the bottle, you can't sue nobody. So here, here's something for you. Here, here's a good example, right? So, uh, you know, the barbecue sauce, Casey Masterpiece, right? Right. Where is that made at? So Casey China? Masterpiece started in Kansas City. I'll, I'll say that much. In the 70s and and everything and you know in the 80s it got bought by the clorox comp company and you know it's you know it's just a subsidy of of uh, clorox now okay um it, it, that's that's like saying so basically yes it has kansas city roots but i mean 
it's no different than any of the chain, you know, uh, name brand barbecue sauces, you know, uh, at that point. It, it would be like if you said, yeah, I, I, I bought some Kansas City barbecue sauce. And you're like, okay, cool, cool. You, you, did you buy Gates? Did you buy Arthur Bryant's, you know, Q39, uh, Jack Stack? What did you come up with? Oh, uh, I showed up with uh, Casey Masterpiece. Like, okay, calm down here. You know, that, that's, that, that's corporate. That's not the real thing. Right, yeah, that's like... It's like you, you can't say you've been to Kansas City or you can't say you've had KC barbecue if what you had it on was KC Masterpiece. And it's, I'm not saying that KC Masterpiece is a bad sauce. You know, every oh, sauce. Oh, it's fine, it. but I mean, like. There's way much not, better. That's not real KC barbecue. Right, right. You can't just say you've had KC Masterpiece on something and then just say you've had actual KC barbecue. That's not how it works. Right. Yeah, uh, and that's how that's how I feel about Texas Pete. It's like, okay, well, what did you you bought a a store brand? You you know you're from Los Angeles. You know this. You want to talk about L.A. getting even a worse rap? Like, for one, don't buy a freaking store bought barbecue sauce and then be disappointed. Like. L.A. has so much culture in terms right. of, for one, well, like Korean. And, get and I use that example, Tom, great. about the Casey Masterpiece thing, because that happened with someone I know recently. They're like, they said, uh, I want to get some kids to see barbecue sauce. And I gave them like a couple names and where to go. I'm like, hey, you can get legit Kansas City barbecue sauce at Ace Hardware. They sell at Ace Hardware, Gates and, you know, uh, Q39, Jack Stack, th- their sauces. They sell them at Ace Hardware of all places. And then they come back later to me and they said, oh, I, I bought something. I'm like, oh, what'd you get? What, which one did you get? Did you go to Ace? They said, no, I went to Walmart. I saw they had KC Masterpiece. Like, no. Or come. Oh. You can get You're that. Not listen to what I told you. I mean, right. You can get that in any Walmart across the whole country. <laughs> See, that's that's what I hate. And it's like, oh my gosh. Like, so for this guy to one be in LA and to be like, oh, I bought Texas Pete and it was into being North Carolina. I'm like, for one, if I had to go on the rankings. It, it really depends on what you made with that Texas Pete. If you made barbecues with the hot sauce, like Texas barbecue is brisket. Kansas City is also brisket, but it's also pork. St. Louis is more of a rib, like pork ribs. And then if you want to go to North Carolina, or the Carolinas barbecue is all pork. And if you want to go to Oklahoma to get their barbecue you would kind of get the same thing in terms of Kansas City in terms of pork and brisket or pork and beef. Like, and in L.A., and and especially in L.A., here's the funny thing about L.A. L.A. is like a cultural melting pot. You're not going to get, don't get Texas, you know, don't get Texas Pete for, that's that's the shittiest hot sauce you can get from a Walmart. You like you need to go if you're if you're in LA, big Asian influence. You need to get like a Go Shuzhang 
style hot sauce, like an Asian style hot sauce. That would be the cultural thing to do in LA. Like you're going to have more Korean barbecue than you are going to have like American style barbecue like we would know growing up here in Oklahoma or you've been in Kansas City and now you're in Dallas. So you've been in the whole tri-state of barbecue in the Midwest and the South. Like that's how it's going to be. So if you want to use a sauce, you mentioned Casey Masterpiece, not really a big deal. You want to get the local stuff in Kansas City here in Oklahoma, you know, I don't know how far head country reaches and head country. Head country the other day, by the way. Head country is not bad. Head country is probably my favorite. It's it's getting to the level that KC Masterpiece is on, but you're not going to find you're going to find KC Masterpiece all across the country. You are not going to find head country all across the country. No, you're going to in in probably about five states, mainly being Oklahoma. Hey, I'm and just going to the store and just need something real quick. The move is head country or sweet baby rays. And and I'd be more apt to go freaking, you know, head country or, you know, you're down in Dallas and you're not too far from Austin. I'm going with Stubbs barbecue. Yeah, Stubbs is good too. Stubbs can get it. I'd, I'd take Stubbs over baby rice. I'll but, say this. We'll, we'll end on this to, to go back from the top of the story. This feels like the food version of catfishing. Yeah. I mean, this guy should be put in jail. <laughs> and he should be put in jail, and he should never get to taste barbecue sauce again in his whole life, or or hot sauce. That, or 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 make him put him on hot ones. Have you watched that? No. The hot ones where they try the different hot sauces or the hot sauces on the wings. Shaq was on it. A, a bunch of celebrities are on it. And then they, the guy interviews them while they sit there and eat the hottest sauces on the wings. And then they are trying to interview the whole time through as much as they can get through of eating these hot sauces. And they just get increasingly hotter. And so the whole interview, they're like struggling to like talk through the interview after each sauce. Shaq was on it too. Shaq, I think, actually didn't do too bad. But there was like a couple of people that could make it through like the first two questions without being like, yo, I got to stop. Hmm. Interesting. On that note, we got to go. Uh, big thanks to Bill Haston, Coach Bo for stopping by, you the listener as well. As always, subscribe to Jonesport. New episodes out each and every uh, Thursday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Follow us on social media. Facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, Facebook.com slash Studio Soapbox, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, Twitter at Thomas underscore Bridges, Twitter at Studio underscore Soapbox, uh, Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Insta Thomas, Jones, uh, Jones underscore Report. You can find us there. Uh, subscribe, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that stuff. Uh, we certainly would appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you right back here next week. Thomas Bridges, our entire crew of Tyler Jones, thanks so long. It's been another edition of the Jones Point. Thanks for joining us.